get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. This is the BK and Ferrario Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. So the air and back-to-back walks, and you're asking for trouble. Payoff pitch to VR is low ball four. He finally threw him a fastball. He missed with it. It forces in a run, and the game is tied one-to-one. All without benefit of a hit. Oh, just threw too many balls, man. Got to mix more strikes in for sure. And Cody Whitley, the new pitcher. Three and one to McCann with the bases full, and that's outside ball four, and the Mets take the lead. Four consecutive walks. The last two have forced in runs. And the Mets go in front two to one. Eleven walks. I mean, gosh darn. You know, just it's not not for that. Nonetheless, we did it, but it's hard to overcome. You know, the ledger sheet with no walks versus eleven. The Mets get a split of the series. They set a club record by leaving seventeen on base, but they get a brilliant pitching performance from Taiwan Walker, and the Mets win it four to one. Do you know how impressive it is for a player to have five hits against him? Six walks allowed, and to allow a total of one earned run over four and a third. Just as impressive as it is for a manager after a performance like that to say, gosh darn, in his post-game press conference. <laughs> that is what John Gant found a way to accomplish yesterday. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. John Gant so far this year has thrown 29 innings. He has a 2.1 ERA. That's all very good. He also, out of 140 pitchers to throw at least 20 innings on the season, ranks 136th in whip, which is walks and hits per innings pitched, and 139th in walk rate on the year. Alex, I don't know how he is walking this tightrope, but somehow he has found a way to do it. And if they continue to push this with John Gann as a starter, eventually, at some point, we are going to see him fall off of that tightrope, and it is not going to be pretty if he continues to pitch the way that he has thus far. Are we, though? Yes. Well, I don't think so, because you were the one that told me eventually Matt Carpenter, with all these hard-hit balls expectant rate, is going to start getting some hits. Yes. As a pinch hitter. Yeah. And as an everyday player, he has not. Look, I understand the concern with John Gant that, yeah, he's... You can't seriously be coming on here today saying that you're okay. I'm fine with it. I mean, he is my, guys, he is your fifth starter. It's not like you need John Gant to replace Jack Flaherty. He's your fifth starter, and your fifth starter in his last four games has given up four earned runs. That is out of, it's one of the most stunning stats that you've ever told me that that is the case. And look, if it blows up in his face, then that's when you can say, okay, we need to move on to our next starting pitcher, right? Like, now let's go to Johan Oviedo. But that's four consecutive games where I get it. He's thrown a lot of balls, as John Gant says. But he's getting out of the innings. 
He's getting through, and he's not allowing runs. He's giving his team an opportunity to win baseball games. John Gant was the reason they lost that game yesterday. The bullpen was. John Gant got them through four and a third and gave them a chance to win. Well, John Gant only going through four and a third is also a part of the reason why you had to go to the bullpen so early in that game. But again, it's your fifth starter. I hear you. I get it. And I'm not saying he needs to be replaced like immediately. They need to pull him out of the rotation tomorrow. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is I think that remember the other day I said, oh, this is why Johan Oviedo needs to go out under the minors to get some things fixed. Yes, some of those things that he needs to get fixed, John Gant has the same issues. And no, you're right, Alex. It has not blown up in his face yet. But when you have a 1.7 whip, which means you're allowing almost two base runners per inning that you're out there, it is going to. We said early in the season, you know, the Cardinals were having some success despite the fact that their starters were not going to deep into games. And there was a point in time, I think it was like 15 games in, where the relievers had thrown more innings than the starters had. And we said, this is completely unsustainable. They cannot continue going this route. Otherwise, eventually, it's going to cost them. That's what I'm saying about John Gant. John Gant might have more success in his next start than he did in this one. He might continue allowing one or two earned runs, despite the fact that he's walking two guys every inning. Like, that's totally in play. But eventually, if you continue doing this, if the process continues looking the way that it has so far, the results will follow. And the results that he should be having right now, all those expected nerdy numbers that I like to look at, those expected nerdy numbers are bad so far this year for John Cant. Does he need to be replaced now? No. But when Miles Michaelis is getting close and he just made his first rehab start yesterday... Uh, that's the guy that I'm taking out of my rotation right when he's right. I agree 100%. I think that was the assumption going into this, no matter what, my, that Gant would be the guy that loses that role once Miles Michaelis jumps in uh, to the rotation. I, I mean, I get the expectant numbers don't look great, nor does the whip look great, but what I'm looking at right now, I mean, he had six fly balls, eight ground balls. He had 15 strikes swinging, 10 strikes looking. 57 of his 98 pitches were strikes. I mean, yeah, he had... That's not good. <laughs> he had six... Well, I mean, 57 of your 98 pitches strikes. No, it's not great, but you're still getting through that inning. Again, the part for me is this is your fifth starter. If he was filling the role of KK, then I'd be a lot more concerned than this. Like, if this guy was going out there as your two or three starter... As your five starter, I expect things to look like that. I expect ERAs to look like a four or a five in most scenarios. But with what John Gant is providing them, it's not horrible. I mean, yeah, 11 walks is not great. But he's getting you an opportunity to win. And if the offense was there last night, I think we're talking about this a little differently. I, I would get the argument of, you know, he's getting out of this stuff. But and if his ERA, I agree, he is the fifth star. So you got to look at it that way. If his ERA is in the fours, I would understand that. But the fact that he's walking guys, usually guys that have ERAs in the fours just because their stuff's not there and they're getting hit around. And with Gant, I don't see that. I think his stuff's there. He's got a good changeup that he locates down in the zone. Never really gets in the strike zone, though. That's his problem. And with him, to me, it's the walks. If he were giving up hits, I think it's a different story. But with the fact that he can't hit the zone and the fact of the matter that this song comes into my head every time, he's pitching is a bit of a problem, in my opinion. It is a problem. And so I, I mentioned earlier, right, there's 140 pitchers in baseball so far this year that have thrown at least 20 innings. Keep that number in mind, 140. Among those, John Gant currently ranks... 
13th in strikeout rate. It's not great, but not horrible. Bottom 30 in all of baseball. He has the second worst walk rate. He's bottom five in whip. He's bottom five, bottom three, actually, in first pitch strike rate. So he's starting out 1-0 in almost every count this far, thus far. And remember, Wayno had that post-game interview recently where they asked him, you know, about his first pitch strikes. And he said, getting, a, getting up 0-1 on a hitter is a decision. It's about a mindset. Well, so far this year, I don't know if it's a decision, if it's a mindset. I don't know what's going wrong for John Gantt. But he's one of the three worst pitchers in baseball when it comes to getting a strike on the first pitch. He's also in the bottom three in getting guys to chase out of the zone. So his stuff is not fooling anybody. Guys are making contact, and it's not it's not hard contact very often. So I will give him credit for that. He's still getting a bunch of ground balls. But when you're walking guys at this rate, when you're not striking anybody out, when you are starting out 1-0 against everybody, you're going to get a ton of four to five inning appearances. And eventually, I know it has not blown up on his face yet. It will. It, it, it's coming. There will be a game where instead of going four or five innings, he gets out of two or three, and he's allowed seven or eight earned runs. That outing is coming if he continues pitching the way he has thus far. It's a concern. It's something I've certainly got on my radar. And when Miles Michaelis is ready, and I think that'll be at some point in the next couple of weeks, the guy that's getting replaced in the rotation, there were questions early in the year. It's not a question in my mind anymore. It's going to be John Gant, and he'll be pushed back to the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, it obviously makes sense, and he becomes a lethal weapon for you in the bullpen, in my opinion. But, uh, again, and, and I don't want to just go with the same argument because I understand that it's not looking good, but for me, he's getting the job done, and that's all you can ask. And if it blows up in his face, then that's where you address it at the time, but it hasn't blown up in his face. I mean, every game that he has pitched, we've said, oh, this is going to blow up in his face, and he's gotten through it. But it so he's he, inducing the ground balls, and he's getting out of the innings. That's all I'm concerned about. Here's the analogy that I would go with, right? If on 4th of July, you went out with an M80, and you lit the fuse, and you held it in your hand instead of putting it on the ground and running away. You continued holding it in your hand. And it was a dud. Would you continue then going back to get another M80, lighting it, holding it in your hand again to find out if it's going to be a dud once again? And then the second one is also a dud. You go back to get the third and you try to get like, this is what we're doing right now with John Gant. And we're just waiting for it to actually explode. Because eventually when you do the same thing, that would typically result in a really, really bad, bad situation eventually it's going to and so i hear you 65780 is the air comfort service text line there are a lot of people that are texting in right now guys it, it has not resulted in anything horrible yet quit looking at the peripherals look at the actual results i hear you i get what you're saying the cardinals have been lucky thus far that he has not had this thing blow up in his face and eventually it's going to because and the way goes the dynamite <laughs> exactly eventually the dynamite's going to explode if you keep lighting the fuse and they've been lighting the fuse repeatedly with John Gant. It just hasn't blown yet. Let me ask you guys this then, though. Alex Reyes is a bad-looking whip. Yeah, it's concerning. Scares the hell out of me. <laughs> really? Yes. But the guy still, man, I, I just, maybe it's just because I don't look at the numbers and I don't go that deep into the analytics. I mean, I, I just go That's off not of. A, this is, to, to be totally clear, this is not an analytics thing. Well, it is, though, because you're looking at the whips with it. It walks and hits. <laughs> Those aren't advanced numbers. Yeah, but I'm looking at it as this guy's just getting through the inning. 
this guy's getting out of the game with one run sco- scored from the opposition. And maybe it's because he was a, against a, a bad team in the Mets and they haven't been performing well. But, I mean, that's still a pretty high-powered offense. And if you're giving up those walks, you're putting somebody in position with runners in scoring position to score runs, and they're not getting it. Not yet. And a lot of this comes to where we've talked about all season how good this defense is, right? Like, we've talked about how good the defense is, and it's going to make the pitching staff better. Well, maybe John Gant's not a starter for you, but if he's my fifth starter in my rotation and he does look like this and he is this bad... Well, that's where my defense comes up, and that's where Justin Williams making that that foul ball catch at the wall saves you. That's where Nolan Arenado picking ground balls and Paul DeYoung picking ground balls saves you. So, yes, he's walking, guys. Yes, this needs to be fixed if he's in your rotation, but I, I would trust my defense in this scenario where it's not like he's giving up these obvious doubles in the middle of gaps in center field. If he's giving up hits, he's giving up hits that are going through the infield. All fair all true but when you continue doing this and so like the the the, you made the alex reyes uh, comparison and it's a fair one because alex reyes has also walked way too many batters so far this year i was hoping both of you would say yeah we're fine with it but no that didn't happen (laughs) so the difference there is alex reyes is coming in for a clean inning every time and it's for one inning more often than not and so it's a really small sample size contained into that one inning with john gantt you're not only having him go out there for the first inning. He comes out there for the second, third, fourth, fifth. He's seeing the same lineup multiple times through, and eventually you're going to get hurt. Eventually you're going to have a situation where he is not going to hold up over the course of four or five. That's coming. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know if it's one start from now or if it's four starts from now. Or maybe he finds something in his arsenal that completely changes and similar to Carlos Martinez with the cutter, it makes all of his other pitchers that much more effective. Maybe. I'm not expecting that, though. And so the sooner that Miles Michaelis can come back, the better it's going to be for this Cardinals team. Final point that I would have on this. <laughs> for a lot of teams, Alex, you're right, the fifth starter, it's no big deal. If he's going four or five consistently, I'll live with it. For this team in particular, where their identity is pitching in defense, I need my fifth starter to be a little better than he has been so far this year. I know what the ERA says. I get that. And they've been very lucky and fortunate that that has been the case. You, you need somebody to be a little better, especially now that you're getting uh, weaker and weaker in your bullpen with Jordan Hicks out, with Andrew Miller out, with Ponce de Leon out. That underbelly of your bullpen is having to come in and help you in these games where John Gant goes four innings, and that's getting you hit around even more when the bullpen comes into the game. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's 11:13. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, Brad Ausmus is a former Angels manager. He managed Albert Pujols back in 2019, so he's seen something similar to the current iteration of Albert Pujols. What does he think Albert would bring to the Cardinals if he were to sign here? We'll talk about that with Brad Ausmus at 11.30. Coming up next, though, I think this is going to come down to a decision for, for Albert. Are you willing to take a reduced role, not just to play anywhere, but to come back to the Cardinals. Talk about it next on 101 ESPN. I mean, gosh darn. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Albert is not a bench player. You know, we felt like with respect to him, keeping him on the bench, him not getting any playing time, 
would not do him any good or the team any good. The guy wanted to play, wants to be on the field. Um, like, like Perry alluded to, he does not want to be a bench player of any kind. This guy's got a lot of pride, and that's a big reason why he's going to be a first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer. There's no question about that. The Angels made it very clear yesterday in their statements as to why Albert Pujols was designated for assignment, why the decision was made. Basically, hey, Albert doesn't want to be a part-time player, and we would need him right now to be a part-time player. So there is a mutually beneficial resolution here. Albert Pujols gets DFA'd. He can go look for opportunities elsewhere. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. I think there is a very clear decision that is about to have to take place for Albert Pujols. And the only person that can make this decision is him. As you look around Major League Baseball right now, it's really hard for me, and maybe I'll be wrong on this, to find a place where he could play every day. There's not a whole lot of teams in the American League with an open DH or first base spot where he would be a clear and market improvement over what they currently have. And when you look in the National League, he's just probably not a guy you want playing first base every day. So he would have to take a reduced role if he wants to go play somewhere. Tim Kirkchin was on with the morning show earlier today, and he seemed to agree with the sentiment that you just heard from the Angels front office that eh, that seems unlikely. Playing twice a week or something just isn't going to be enough for him. And he wants to produce. He doesn't want to just be a feel-good story coming back to St. Louis. Would I do it if I were him? Sure, if they offered me a deal. But I'm not Albert Pujols. I don't have 600 homers and 3,000 hits and two World Series championships. By the way, no one else else has that. He's the only one in history with 600, 3,000, and two championship rings. Alex, when you look at this and the decision that is likely going to have to be made by Albert Pujols, do you agree with that on the, as a starting point that he's probably going to have to make that decision? And if he ends up saying, you know what, I'm willing to take a bench roll somewhere, doesn't it make sense that the one place that he would want to come to most would be St. Louis? Yes and no. I mean, first, I think the pride will be Albert Pujols sitting there saying, no, I'm an everyday player. And I mean, if you look at his numbers, I mean, he was an everyday player back in 2019. And look, he was 39. I get it. That's two years ago, but still hit about 250 and 23 home runs. So maybe Albert Pujols believes that if he gets the playing time that he can be successful. I just don't know if there's a team out there that has first base available for him or a DH available for him. But if he gets to the point where he makes the decision, yeah, it seems like St. Louis would make the most sense because you got Yadier Molina, you got Adam Wainwright, you come back to St. Louis, you know you're going to be be appreciated. Even if you don't get a hit in a game, people are still going to give you a standing ovation. But if you're Albert Pujols, wouldn't you want to bench roll with someone where you know you're going to be in every single night, whether it be a pinch hit opportunity or a DH opportunity? And I think with here he would sit there and say, yeah, you know, every night there's a pinch hit opportunity. I'm going to come to the plate, and then I'm going to get a a game here and there. But if you look around, if I'm Albert Pujols and that pride is there and I want to chase 700 and I still feel like I can play and compete, Cardinals would be at the top of that list, but I think Cardinals would be more the sentimental part top of that list than it would be the I feel like I'm going to get my opportunities to play. Do you feel like there's another spot that makes more sense to you? Because I've been looking around. I I don't see it, but maybe there's something. I feel like the White Sox are going to have an opportunity to play more than what the Cardinals would. They've got a DH, this young kid that they've got coming up. Does he play the outfield though? He's a true DH for him right now. That's what he's been playing every day. And you've got Jose Abreu at first. I I don't see an opportunity for him there to play every day. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how that would work. And I think the Tony La thing would be a a 
a interesting aspect of it as well yeah. for how much kind of um, crow he's been eating right now. You know, you, you look, Kansas City's been brought up. I don't see how that, because that's the same thing with the DH. You got Soler that's hitting in that spot. First base, uh, is that uh, Moreland that's playing first base for them? They've got a bunch of dudes that have been kind of slipping around with first base and DH. But so, I mean, maybe Albert Pujols becomes a legitimate first baseman for them. Got, and helps San, that. Santana's probably, had, Carlos Santana's had the most opportunities there, but yeah. he's, uh, they're kind of take half, half a dozen to one, six right. to the other. And I've heard the Oakland Athletics name brought up as well. Well, but again, that seems like that doesn't seem like a likely scenario. So, yeah, the Cardinals make sense. But uh, if I put myself in Albert Pujols' shoes and I have that ego, that confidence in myself, I think before I come to the Cardinals and say, yeah, this makes sense for me, I'm going to look and see if there's any opportunities for me to get more playing time as a bench player. That was kind of the mindset that I was in as well. And I remember listening to Albert Pujols on the fast line. So I wanted earlier today to go back and re-listen to that interview. And Pujols talks to the guys on the fast line about what this year is going to be like for him, what his future could hold. And they asked him, you know, how do you know when it's time to hang him up? How do you know when it's over for you? And here's what Albert Pujols had to say. If I feel healthy, if I feel that I can continue to play, I'm going to play until all 30 ball clubs shut the door on me and say, no, you're too old, you go home, you can't compete anymore. But I feel uh, that my body, I feel really good. I put a lot of hours uh, into the gym uh, this off season, you know, training hard, um, and I feel really, really good. So that was Albert Pujols on on the uh, fast lane a couple of months ago now, about two months ago in spring training. When he said that, it came to mind for me. I was like, that dude's not hanging it up. I I know it's going to probably take a little bit of – it's going to hurt his ego to know he's looking around at all 30 teams, and I think all 30 will tell him we do not have an everyday starting spot for you. We don't. It doesn't exist here in St. Louis. It doesn't exist, in my opinion, elsewhere. Can I bring in one more team up real quick? Sure. What about Cleveland? Cleveland makes a ton of sense. Cleveland's 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, and they don't have an everyday first baseman. And they need offense. I mean, especially losing Jose Ramirez, and you kind of need – I don't know, some type of reason to come to the ball game. You would imagine if you're an Indians fan, does that make sense as an everyday destination? Tanner, you said it does. What, what, yeah, your... it, it does for me because you look at their first base production and they they don't have any. Jake Bowers, OPS plus at 55. You've got his backup, OPS plus a five. Neither one of those guys are hitting. Now, the DH spot, which is where you'd probably like him because I think Pujols is more of a American League player now if he wants everyday opportunity, so at DH. They have Framil Reyes there. He's not much of an outfielder. He's hitting okay. He's been great. So I, I would say you keep him at DH, and then you could put Pujols at first base, let it run for maybe a month, experiment with it one year or, or on the minimum kind of contract. If it doesn't work, then you could just buy that out. And Eduardo Perez talked about it earlier today on MLB Network Radio, and he was saying, you know, they their payroll from two years ago was at $100 million. This year it's at around fifty. It's not like you're having a big expense and adding that much to the payroll. He agree, he says, too, you know, Cleveland's the perfect spot. Payroll wouldn't be that big of an issue with his salary that is going to be brought up. You're getting no production out of first base, and the AL Central is wide open still, I yeah. believe. No, it definitely is, and if you look at the production from first baseman in baseball so far this year, Cleveland has been by far the worst. Yeah. So that maybe that's the team. Maybe they would decide, you know what? This is our guy to be able to get closer to league average production out of first base. Totally in play. But if we can define there's one team that makes sense, 
that's probably an indicator that there ain't a whole lot of options that are going to be available. And they would then have to say, it makes sense for us to go sign a 41-year-old to be our everyday first baseman. Maybe they do. I'm not sure. I don't know where their head's at right now with options there. I don't know what their uh, farm system looks like. I don't know if they've got a guy that could come up here in a couple of weeks. I don't know. But let's assume they say no. And now he's in the mindset of, I've got to take a bench bat, or I've got to become a bench bat if that's something that I'm willing to do. I think he would do it. I think he would say it's better for me to go out there and be a bench bat than to just decide my career's over now. I don't think he's in that place, in that mindset yet. And so if he decided to do it, I think he would be a clear and obvious upgrade for the Cardinals on their bench. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, One thing to make very clear, Albert Pujols would not be a replacement for Matt Carpenter. He would be coming in for the roster spot that is currently held by Lane Thomas. It has been in the past held by John Nagowski. Those would be the guys, right-handed hitters coming off of the bench that Albert Pujols would replace. And Albert's been really good against left-handed pitching still. He's got an 880 OPS this year against lefties. He has a 785 OPS over the last three years against lefties. And the guys that you currently have, Justin Williams, Kisner, Dean, all of them are under 640. So that's a significant upgrade that you're getting the moment that Albert walks through the door against left-handed relievers. The other thing that he is, is really good with runners in scoring position still. Carp's batting 230 in those situations. Dean, 220. Kisner, 125. Thomas and Nagowski are combined for 0 for 6. Albert, over the last three seasons, is batting 270 with runners in scoring position still at this point in his career. So those are the two spots where... For me, he's a tangible upgrade for this team. And so if there are 30 teams that say, nope, there is no everyday opportunity for you, and he decides to be a bench bat, forget, set aside all of the sentimentality, all of the legacy stuff. Just does he help me win baseball games? The answer for me is yes, compared to the guys that they currently have. hundred percent. And Tanner, you said yesterday that, you know, a lot of teams uh, take a lot of pride into those roster spots on the active roster. And I think the Cardinals are the, maybe one team that can justify sending down a couple of different people that are on their 40 man or on their active roster to let Pujols be a part of it. And that's Nagowski and Lane Thomas, because John Nagowski is essentially the same role that Albert Pujols is in, but Nagowski's not going to see the plate appearances that Albert Pujols would see. Albert Pujols is going to be called upon in every pinch hit opportunity. The first opportunity, whether it's a lefty or a righty, you're going to Albert Pujols. And that strengthens your bench because then you have a Matt Carpenter who can hit righties as a pinch hitter. Then you have a Justin Williams who's on that bench. Then you have an Andrew Kisner who's on that bench. You have options for you. So, yeah, Albert Pujols would strengthen this team more than I think what he would strengthen other teams solely off of a bench roll. So we've got some texts that are basically saying the Cardinals do not need to add a right-handed version of Matt Carpenter. Here's my question. If you're in that mindset, and that's totally fine, here's what I would ask. Seventh inning, you got runners on the corners, got one, and there's a lefty reliever in the game right now. The pitcher spot's coming up. You're going to pinch hit here. This is an obvious pinch hit opportunity, but there's a lefty on the mound. In this spot, are you going to Edmundo Sosa, Lane Thomas, uh, John Nagowski, or Albert Pujols? 
Which one of those guys are you bringing into the game? Seventh inning, down by a run, runners on the corners, lefty on the mound, one out. You're fooling yourself if you say anybody other than Albert Pujols. It's obviously you're li- Albert. You're, you're lying just to cause a conversation if you say anything other than Albert Pujols. And so if that is the answer, and it should be, that is that is that should be the answer. He's, he's better than those other op- uh, options coming off the bench then the Cardinals should go make this move if he's willing to accept the bench roll. It's the big disclaimer there. We do not know if he's willing to do it. But if he is, he, for me, is a guy that is an upgrade. And even setting aside all of the legacy stuff, and that's hard to do, that is obviously a part of this as well and part of why he would want to come back, I think he makes a ton of sense for the Cardinals. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We'll get to some questions and answers coming up in about 15 minutes. Coming up next, though, Brad Ausmus was Albert Pujols' manager about two years ago. What was the player like that he got to see every day in 2019? And what does he think would be some of the difficulties that would come managing a guy like Albert, who's always been an everyday player if he ended up as a bench bat? Brad Ausmus joins us next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Alex Ferrario, that's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. We are broadcasting live from the EAB Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. And right now we are very happy to go out to the Brownie and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by former Angels and Tigers manager Brad Ausmus joining us here on the show. Brad, we always appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay and uh, my pleasure. Absolutely. So we're happy to have you on after the news yesterday that was pretty stunning here in St. Louis that the Angels have decided to designate Albert Pujols for assignment. I guess my first question to you, Brad, is the obvious. What was your reaction when you first heard the news? Well, I, I mean, clearly when a player of Albert's stature is designated for assignment, it's a shock. I mean, you just don't expect that kind of unceremonious um Goodbye. You, you, you know, usually there's some type of pomp and circumstance or uh, some type of tribute uh, to a guy who has had the type of career that Albert has. So, Brad, I'm curious, more so from your time as a manager with Pujols, because you had a, a long career going up against the man when you played with Houston and, of course, the uh, battles between the Cardinals and the Astros. What was that like for you when you came in as a manager back in, I believe, 2019 and Albert Pujols was on that roster? Well, you know, I, my history with Albert, like you mentioned, goes back to our playing days when, when the Astros and the Cardinals had that tremendous kind of respectful, semi-friendly rivalry um, for, you know, roughly about 10 years, maybe eight to 10 years. And um, Albert was, was the single best for me, the best player in the game, certainly the best right-handed hitter. I know people, you can make the argument Barry Bonds is better and you could debate that uh, on a number of levels, but Albert, even as a young player, just uh, making the team out of spring training uh, instantly became the thunder in the lineup and really the thunder in the national league, quite frankly, in the national league central. So my history goes back a long ways with him. We had a, a very good relationship as uh, adversaries and we had a very good relationship. The one year I was in Anaheim, he's uh, he's exactly what he seems like. He's a very hardworking, professional, intelligent baseball player. And obviously you could speak for, for uh, a longer time on what he does off the field. 
that season, Brad, did you see things start to to trend downward for Albert Pujols? I mean, obviously, you're never going to be the same player that you were when you were in your mid-20s and early early 30s, but did you see a difference in his game or the way that he prepped for his games? Well, I think he, he continued to prep the exact same way, and that's to his, his credit because he was very consistent with his prep work, um, and he kept himself in good shape. But unfortunately, as we get older, and I saw this also the prior year, 2018, as a special assistant with the Angels before taking over as a manager, um, that he just wasn't, from a, a physical standpoint, the same guy that I played against when he was with the Cardinals. You know, he, he had had the plantar fasciitis problem with his feet, and he had trouble moving uh, compared to to what he was when he was younger. Uh, in fact, when I took over as a manager, I had a discussion with him in spring training about him not playing as much um, because uh, we felt like we'd get more production out of him if he had regular rest. And, you know, Albert, being Albert, wanted to play. He wants to be in the lineup, but he uh, he, he didn't fight me on it. Um, and truthfully, because of all the injuries, he ended up playing a lot more than we planned on and drove in 90-something runs that year. So... I'm curious, Brad, when you have a guy like that, and you mentioned, you know, the, the difficulties of having the everyday opportunities for him, how tough is it to manage a guy that is, as you mentioned, one of the best hitters that we've ever seen, certainly for his 10-year stretch here in St. Louis, one of the best 10-year runs we've ever seen by a player ever. How difficult is it to manage that aging superstar the way that you did in 2019? Well, a lot of it depends on the on the player. You know, I don't. I was, certainly was not the caliber of player of Albert, but I remember the last three or four years of my career, uh, I kind of embraced that role of being the backup catcher, playing once or twice a week, uh, and working with the younger catchers, whether it was J.R. Tolles in Houston or, or Russ Martin, A.J. Ellis with Los Angeles Dodgers in the last couple of years. Uh, it really boils down to what the player wants. I, you know, if the player thinks that he's the same player he was at 25, then there's probably going to be a bit of a clash. If the player understands that he's aging and he can still contribute, but maybe on a more limited basis, then it probably is a very smooth transition. And obviously none of us are Albert Pujols, Brad, so it's hard to put ourselves into that situation. But going into a situation like this where Albert's only been a free agent one other time in his life, and it was when he signed that massive deal with the Angels, uh, from a former player's perspective, how difficult is that to come to terms with, okay, if I want to still play where I feel like I can play, I do have to take a reduced role? Yeah, and I think, you know, I think teams are probably a lot more open to bringing players like that on board uh, as role players because they do have a lot of experience. You know, I think if, if a team uh, considers adding Albert to their big league roster now, I think it's going to be in a reduced role. You come off the bench, you play against some lefties uh, at first base, maybe DH here and there with an American League club. Um, I think, I think you know, as you age, you have to embrace those things because your, your body just doesn't respond the way it did 10, 15 years ago. And, uh, you know, I think with the training that goes on nowadays, bodies can last a little longer. But uh, when, you're, when you get into your early 40s, um, you're just not the same athletic player you were. Brad Osmus, former Angels and Tigers manager, joining us here on 101 ESPN. He was on those Astros team in the early 2000s that, as he mentioned, had that rivalry with the Cardinals, all-star catcher and a three-time gold glover. 
Brad, you saw what the love affair was basically between Albert and St. Louis whenever they returned back to St. Louis and Albert hit the home run and the standing ovations and everything. Uh, What do you think it would be like in a hypothetical scenario where the Cardinals were able to bring Albert back for the rest of this season? What do you think that would be like both for him and for the city to be able to have that one last run together? Well, first, on the, uh, you know, I was managing when, when Albert returned to St. Louis for that series, the first mm-hmm. time he returned since signing with the Angels. That was one of the most special moments I've seen on a, on a big league baseball field, just that entire series. the same. I mean, I've known um, the St. Louis fans were tremendously respectful because of my years playing against them as an Astro, uh, a great place to play, great baseball fans. And they treated Albert like I would have expected, standing ovations, uh, you know, Yachty giving him a, a little – hug at home plate it was, it was uh and then him for him to hit a home run it just was uh it was a, a a tremendous series to be part of and it was a special moment um in a big league stadium that i are is i won't say unmatched but hard to match so um, Brown, when, oh sorry go ahead keep going but but i was gonna say with st louis you know it, that's a tough situation i'm not that I'm not familiar enough with the the St. Louis roster. Listen, the St. Louis Cardinals are trying to win the division, and that boils down to will Albert Pujols help them win the division? So you obviously have seen Pujols recently. You've worked with Pujols recently. You've managed him recently, Brad. Can you see a guy like Albert Pujols be willing to accept a, a – a lower role of being a bench bat rather than an everyday first baseman. Yeah, I think he would. I mean, my guess is he would. I don't know. Obviously I haven't talked to Albert. Uh, haven't been in touch with Albert probably since last summer during the season. Um, but I think he would, I, I, you know, I think he, the one thing I'll say about Albert, he's, he's an extremely smart baseball player. You know, he, he did slow down, um, but he still stole a casual base when they didn't pay attention to him. <laughs> my, my favorite thing about Albert is, with all this shifting going on and the, and the drive to hit home runs and, and slugging and OPS, you put a runner on second base and you shift on Albert Pujols, he's going to shoot a ground ball single to the right side because he's going to take the run. And guess what? You need runs to beat the team on the other side. So uh, he does have a lot to offer as a player in a role on a team with young, with, with young people that has a chance to compete. The other thing that I love, and we were looking at some of the numbers yesterday, Brad, is even to this day, he has still never struck out more than 100 times in a single season. (laughs) And it's just like he he is such a throwback player in so many different ways. And I know the walk numbers aren't there the way that they once were, but for him to never strike out 100 times in a season, even at this advanced age, is amazing. It it really is. He he has a tremendous knack for putting the barrel of the bat on the ball, and he's – he was. It was fun playing against those Cardinal teams uh, with him on it, and uh, you know Jim Edmonds did almost as much damage as Albert against us. But I, I saw my fair share of Albert, and you know Albert would even hit and run. He, you know, here's one of the best hitters in the game. Not many teams are hit and running at all. Albert would hit and run with Tony as the, as the manager. Albert and he, he had signs, and he'd hit and run and, and get guys moving, and he'd shoot the ball to the right side. He, he just he's just an intelligent well-prepared baseball player, even to this day. Final question that I've got for you is we're talking with Brad Osmus, former Angels and Tigers manager and a catcher for the Astros for so many years in those early 2000s. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that 2005 NLCS. And, of course, uh, we heard from Tim Kirkchen earlier today on the station. He said that 
the best moment that he can recall from Albert was that home run that he hit off of Brad Lidge, and he feels like it's still out in outer space somewhere. What was that like from your perspective? Take us back to that moment, if you could. Uh, what, what was that moment like for you? Well, you know, what's funny is somebody sent me the little clip just, you know, after the news broke about Albert uh, being designated, send me a clip from uh, the home run. And it, this is exactly what my response was at the time. If you watch the clip before Albert even leaves the batter's box, I'm turning to the umpire for a new ball. <laughs> so <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't take long. It, was that the home run off of Brad Lidge, I'm assuming? Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's a that's a jerk move to send you that video, Brad. Like what are they doing to you? <laughs> they just said they said could you at least wait for him to get out of the box before he asked for a new ball? <laughs> <laughs> is that about as hard of a hit ball as you've ever seen? Uh yeah, it is because you know as as far as far as it was hit, it was actually kind of a line drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't a, it wasn't like a deep fly ball. It was kind of a line drive. I won't say it was still going up. But it was in no rush to come down. (laughs) Hey, Brad, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today. All the best to you and yours, and hopefully we'll talk with you again soon. All right, guys. My pleasure. Thanks, Brad. Absolutely. That's Brad Osmus, former Angels manager, former Tigers manager. And uh, from 2001 to 2008, he was the Astros catcher during all those great series between the Cardinals and the Astros. I just so. went back and looked at that video. He legitimately did exactly what Brad just talked about. He he is looking at the umpire before that ball is even freaking swung for. I mean, it was a rocket. I, it was I, a rocket off the bat. Just it, it, You can't hit a ball harder than it's that. It's rare when a, when a baseball player for one hit breaks a another pitcher for a couple of years like like uh, who was the uh the texas ranger closer um felice. what was his felice thank you like um pujols broke that man david freeze broke felice yep. like you never heard from that guy again in the baseball because of that game seven or game six in 2011 it it happens sometimes especially in the playoffs when you have a moment like that where you just it it shocks you almost. It shocks your system yeah. as a reliever a little bit. And, and Poole certainly had plenty of those kinds of moments. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll talk with Jim Bowden, former MLB general manager. Want to ask him about his experiences in situations like these. Would he take a chance if he were John Mosaylock on Albert Pools? We'll do that in 10 minutes. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Questions and answers coming up next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service X line for questions and answers with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. We are live from the E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Ice Center. Tanner Hendrickson back in the studio. All right, from the best six place one to eight. be, by the way, best place to be. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm I'm good in the E&B Granite Studio. It's comfy out here. It's yeah. nice. Enjoy your studio by yourself, Tanner. From the six one eight guys. After talking to Brad Osmus, does it make you want Albert even more? Because it does for me. He described Albert as the quintessential pinch hitter. Just gets the job done. Definitely gave me the feeling of a guy who wants to win a World Series more than anything again. And I uh, believe it. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. You can check this on the nerdy stats. Uh, the Cardinals are trying to win a World Series this year. Yes, that checks yeah, okay. out. Uh-huh. Just Indeed. wanted to make sure. I don't wanted know what, what nerdy what, stats to look at for that. I did know what the expectant World Series percentage would be. Probably low, but I would say it would go up for the Cardinals if you bring back an Albert Pujols. 
Yeah, g- Taylor still a, doesn't want him. No, it's not that I don't want him. I, I love. I'm not standing here talking about Albert Pujols if Albert Pujols wasn't a Cardinal, because he's the one who got me to fall in love with baseball. Whether he's a good fit with the team is a different story. Why are you yelling, Tanner? Because I felt attacked. Felt a little bit attacked there. I think it's fair. I what? Maybe it made me. <laughs> maybe definitely get the feel of you know a little bit more that Albert Pujols returning to St. Louis would be great. I think it'd be awesome. I've been on board all along. I have not swayed from that whatsoever. I I think it would be a great fit if he's willing to accept the role. And that's the thing that we just don't have the answer to. I wish we did, but we don't. And until we hear a report from somebody with legitimate insight into Albert's thinking, it's going to be really hard to know whether or not he would be willing to accept that role. Uh, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. This one's for Alex from the 618. Alex, assuming the hockey season's back to normal next season, do you believe that the Blues will be seen as one of the favorites in the Central Division? Um, goes back to the Central. You, Colorado will be the obvious favorite. And then you'll have... I mean, honestly, it's going to depend on what the expansion draft looks like. Because, I mean, think about this. Colorado's not going to be plagued by the expansion draft that much. Dallas is going to be intriguing because do they lose a goaltender? Do they lose one of their young defensemen? Uh, Nashville could lose one of their defensemen, which is going to be impactful with them. I would say going into next season, all is the same. Yes, the Cardinals would be, or the Cardinals, the Blues would be considered a top two, top three team in that division. Uh, with Colorado and then with Winnipeg or Dallas. What's going to be interesting. What about Nashville? I, I don't think Nash, Nashville's taken a step backwards, in my opinion. Nashville's going to be a year older with their goaltender. Uh, they're going to lose one of their big-time defensemen in, in uh, the expansion draft. You don't know what's going to happen with Matias Ekholm. They don't concern me as much. The, the, that division's going to be tough. Yeah, the teams that are interesting are going to be Winnipeg when you're back against them because they're starting to get better with some younger players than the Dallas Stars, who we saw uh, can be great when they're healthy and when they don't have to deal with COVID restrictions. And Minnesota. <laughs> and Minnesota. Here's the part that's uh, that's really interesting, though, because Seattle's coming in. Seattle's expected to move to the Pacific Division, which you're going to have to take one of those teams to the uh, Central Division. And from what I'm understanding... Uh, the Arizona Coyotes would be shifting into the oh, Central Division. Bleep that. So bleep this. So take uh, <laughs> so take uh, take that as you will. But that's seven games once again that you'll have to play against the Arizona Coyotes in a regular so next season. Next year in the Blues Division, we're talking about Colorado playoff team, Dallas playoff team, Nashville playoff team, Winnipeg playoff team, Minnesota playoff team, and Arizona, who gave the Blues fits and starts this year. And Chicago, who like let's not forget they have Patrick Kane still, who does give the Blues fits. All right, doesn't so, sound yeah. like that tough a division. Yeah, it's the hardest division in hockey. Change my mind. It is the hardest division in hockey. Well, you told me that about the West this year, too, and I'm looking around the West right Am now. Am I wrong? The bottom four teams in this division stink. Okay, but the bottom four teams in this division are picking up victories against Vegas, against Colorado, against Minnesota, against the Blues? Come on. They don't stink that bad. They're pretty awful. No. <laughs> go, go, look at, go look at the other teams in the Central Division. Those teams stink. Detroit. Yeah, I mean, they're they're quite bad. I don't know that there's a significant difference between Detroit and Anaheim. This is still <laughs> the hardest division in the playoffs in my, or this season. The in top my, is. The top is. The well, top two But, are. yeah, I mean, you got five teams that are fighting for four spots, and five teams legitimately could make a Stanley Cup run. In, in the West? And yeah. How's that going to work? Teams? The five teams that could legitimately get. They're f- out. The Blues are the fifth team out 
Oh, no, I'm sorry. Four teams. Fifth team like, would be Arizona. What are you talking about? For some <laughs> reason, I thought Minnesota was down to the fourth team. No, you got four teams in that division that could legitimately make a cup run. I don't know if you could say that on the other divisions right now. Like, are we really going to sit here and think that Calgary or Montreal can make a, a run in the in the Canadian Ma- division? Maybe the East. That would be the only one. Uh, the fourth team. The Islanders. They, they've got 68 Islanders, points on the Bruins, season. Yeah, okay. I could look at that one. I would say that's a better division, top to bottom as well. No, I think the Blues have it better. It's fair, fair enough, man. <laughs> Mostly because I want to be right. but <laughs> With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll play a game of bet it or forget it. Coming up next, though, Jim Bowden's been in that chair. He's been a general manager. If I put him in most situation right now and I told him, hey, Albert's willing to take on a reduced role. Would he go out there and make the deal with Albert to come home? Well, that's Jim Bowden, former MLB general manager, next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Hey, we're out of the E&B Granite Studio at the Centene Community Eye Center today. We're and leaving? We said we're out of the. We are out at the. Oh, My apologies. We E&B Granite Studios <laughs> at the Centene Community Eye Center. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Right now, we are very happy to go out to the Brownie and Crouppen Celebrity Line, a guy that has been in the general manager chair before, and he is now the co-host of Power Alley weekdays from 9 to noon on MLB Network. He is Jim Bowden joining us here on the show. Jim, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Great to be back with you guys. Absolutely thrilled to have you. So, I mean, you you have heard the news. It is the biggest story in the sport right now. Albert Pujols has been designated for assignment by the L.A. Angels. Uh, Jim, what was your initial reaction whenever you heard this yesterday? Pretty shocking news. Yeah, it was surprising news. And I think the first thing is I was kind of sad that their press conference didn't have Albert Pujols or the owner, Artie Moreno, on the dais, right? Uh, You would have liked the ending to be um, a little bit better than this, whether that be a retirement or even Albert sitting there saying, look, I understand the Angels' decision. I want to thank the Angels for the last decade. Um, I kind of wanted that kind of closure with the Angels, so I was kind of disappointed with that. From a baseball perspective, it was the right move for the Angels because Jared Walsh is a better first baseman than Albert right now and needs to be playing every day. Shohei Otani has to be the DH every day. And so Albert's role with that team would have had to been a bench role, and apparently that's not something that he was willing to do um, for the Angels at least. And so for that matter, I understand the decision that was made, but I think the way it ended is really unfortunate for a Hall of Fame player of his caliber. Do you think there's a team out there, Jim, that would be willing to give Albert that everyday first baseman role or everyday DH role? I don't think anyone would give him or promise him that role, but I do think the one team that fits for him baseball-wise is the Oakland Athletics. And they've got a history of bringing guys in at the end of their careers, um, so this is something they've been open to. Mitch Moreland is struggling in the DH spot from the left side, hitting 203. I can see Albert Pujols and Moreland sharing the DH rules for Oakland. They're in a race. I think Albert, baseball-wise, would be better off if he could to stay in the American League West, where he's familiar with the pitchers over the last 10 years, where he can cheat a little bit. 
But I think that's the one spot that I can find where there was a possibility where he could be given every opportunity to platoon or try to win the DH job. That would be the spot. My other favorite spot is where you guys are in St. Louis, Louis, but that spot would be only as a pinch hitter against left-handed pitching. Now, certainly to, to me, it would be really cool to see Albert finish his career in a Cardinals uniform as he goes to the Hall of Fame because he'll certainly be wearing a Cardinals hat in the Hall of Fame. Um, so I'd love to see that, and I still think he could help pinch hitting coming off the bench, but I'm not sure he's ready for that role. So if a team like Oakland comes knocking, I think he goes down that road instead. And that's what I wanted to follow up with, Jim, because when you hear the Angels at their press conference, I mean, they, they said it three or four times from basically everybody that could. Hey, Albert did not want to accept a limited role, a bench role, on the Angels. And as you mentioned, maybe that changes if he ends up going elsewhere. Do you think he would be, let, let's assume if we go down this hypothetical scenario, the, the A's are not interested in an everyday role. The White Sox say no, the Royals say no. And so it's basically if Albert wants to keep playing, he's got to do so from a bench capacity. Do you think he would rather take on a bench role than retire right now? I do. I, th- I think he wants to finish this year no matter what. And so I, the, the way it ended with the Angels clearly tells me that's what he wants. Otherwise, he would have been at the podium. Um, so that's where we stand. And I do think someone will pick him up. I do believe that. Um, we'll see. Uh, but I don't think he's going to get what he wanted. Um, so now he has to look at, is there a place where he sees an opportunity where someone says, hey, if you beat someone else, you can do it. For example, Milwaukee, they're struggling with Dan Vogelbach at first base. Is there a platoon with Pouls and him until Hera is ready and give him that chance? I don't know. The Reds have Joey Votto injured. Uh, it doesn't sound like they're interested in giving him that opportunity while Votto is down. But, again, then when Votto comes back, is there a platoon there? doesn't sound like it from what I'm hearing from the Reds. So I just don't know where the opportunity could possibly come from. Um, so I don't think Albert's going to get that. But I think he'll accept a lesser role. Um, if he has a chance to platoon somewhere like as a DH in Oakland or first base in Milwaukee. And then, of course, is the sentimental return of, uh, of St. Louis. Is that possible? I mean, again, I don't know if the Cardinals have interest, but certainly if you accept that role, that's going to be a lot less than the other opportunities perhaps in Oakland or Milwaukee. Let's look at that real quick, Jim, with the Cardinals, because, of course, the Cardinals are the top team in the NL Central and one of the top teams in the National League. They look like a team that can make some noise this season. Does Albert Pujols make that team better if he was a bench bat for them? Um, I think I think so as a 26 player, but I'm going to say it as a 26 player. But, yes, I do think he can come off the bench and hit a ball out of the ballpark still. You know, he does have five home runs. So I, I still think he can swing the bat. And I think, as everyone in St. Louis knows, um, you know, in the clubhouse, he's a huge boost for everybody. And the wisdom that he's got in terms of hitting and his ability to help a Dylan Carlson or a Tyler O'Neill um, or a Tommy Edmond, I think it's huge. So I don't think there's any doubt that having him in that clubhouse as a pinch hitter, yeah, I, th- I, think, you, I think you are a little better for sure. I just don't think that's a role that makes sense for where he's at right now because I think there are milestones that he wants to get to, um, and I think he'd like a chance to get more at bat. So I just don't see him looking at that situation and going there unless there isn't another option. And if there's not another option, then that, then that could be a possibility. Former MLB general manager Jim Bowden is our guest here on 101 ESPN for another couple of minutes. Jim, you've been in that room before where the decisions are made. 
can you take us inside for a moment? And when when John Mosellock and Michael Gersh and Bill DeWitt Jr. and Bill DeWitt III are all, uh, they've got their brain trust together, I would imagine, over the next few days. And they're talking about, hey, what would this look like if we went out there and added Albert Pujols? What are those discussions like? What are some of the things that would probably be being brought up in that room right now? Well, you'd have to say, can you really afford another Matt Carpenter coming off the bench? Um, you, you know, whose roster spot does he take if he's on the roster? What happens if he can't hit and we have to release him in a month? Um, you know, certainly the baseball people are going to say, look, if we bring him in, it's because we see him helping our team in this role. Uh, I don't think there's any question he would sell tickets, but that's not something that needs to be done in St. Louis. So business reasons wouldn't need to be there. So I think the bottom line is, does this help the team? And there's going to be different opinions. You know, there's going to be there's going to be baseball people in the room that are going to say he's done. Don't waste your time. Uh, it's going to clog up a spot for us, and we need a bench with more versatility. Uh, we need to be able to double switch here and there. We've got Goldie. He's going to get all the at-bats at first base. We're not going to be able to get him there. Uh, you know, there's going to be that kind of argument. Then there's going to be other people in the room saying, how great would it be for Albert to come back and finish his career wearing a St. Louis uniform and getting a big pinch hit in the seventh inning against uh, a setup reliever? And so, yeah, I mean, those those conversations, you know, come in. Um, the big question baseball-wise is, does he help you as a pinch hitter? And does his lack of positional flexibility hurt what you're trying to do in terms of winning games and having to live by the National League rules and double switching? Of course, if there was a universal DH, it'd be a lot easier to have this conversation. But there's not. So for St. Louis, it's a lot more difficult. And then you have the other the other point, which is he'd have to change leagues. He hasn't been in this league for over a decade. Um, are we worried about him changing leagues and seeing pitchers he hasn't seen? Because I think for an older player like Albert who needs to cheat a little bit to hit, it would be helpful if he could stay in the same division he's been in. Jim, from a big picture, I'm just curious with how this ends with Albert Pujols in the Angels where he signed that big contract and, of course, he was the free agent where a lot of people were uh, surprised he didn't come back to St. Louis. Does this being released and having to go to another team and maybe take a reduced role, does that change anything in the perception of Albert Pujols' career? No, I mean, look, I think it's unfortunate that this new young generation watched Albert since 2017 not be a – be nothing more than just an average player. That's all he's been in those last um, those last years with the Angels. But he'll be remembered for his tenure in St. Louis. That's what he's remembered by. One of the greatest right-hand hitters to ever play the game, period. That's what he is. First ballot Hall of Famer, no-brainer. Charity work, ridiculous. A 40% on-base guy in his prime with 40 home runs. A player that played first, third, left, right. Um, special hitter, world champion. I mean, I don't know how many accolades we can throw at him, but the memory of Pujols for me, I'm I'm going to um, I'm going to just not even think about his Angel days. All I'm going to remember with Albert is what he did in St. Louis and was one of the greatest hitters that ever lived. Period. That's that's my memory of him. And unfortunately for the sport of baseball, it's a reminder that players age. And for the people in baseball, it's a reminder of don't sign guys when they're over 35 to long-term deals because Pujols, Cabrera, Cano, and Votto have all proved it's not going to work on your bottom line. It's just not going to come out well, and that's what happened in these cases. So this will change the way contracts are done, 
for players going forward because these are disastrous business decisions these clubs made. But no, nothing is going to take away from what Albert did in St. Louis in the prime of his career. Nothing. He is he was that good. He was a treat to watch, a special, a true professional. And I'll never forget, and I tell this story all the time, I'll never forget, I was the GM of the Cincinnati Reds his rookie year, and we had no scouting reports on him. We didn't have him on our draft board. And all of a sudden he came up and started raking at a level that we've never seen before. And I kept asking, where did he come from? How come we don't know him? How do you pitch to him? Nobody knew. We didn't have today's technology. So I flew in two of my best scouts, Gene Bennett and Larry Barton Jr., uh, both, uh, both uh, unfortunately, have passed away. But I flew both of them in there, and I said, you sit on them for two weeks, and then before we play the Cardinals the next homestand, you tell us how to pitch to them so we can get them out. They went in there for two weeks and sat in, in, in your ballpark there in St. Louis. They flew in the night before we were playing the Cardinals. I go down to the manager's office with the pitching coach, the hitting coach, and Larry and Gene, and I said, okay, how are we pitching to them? And they both looked at me and said, you can't. I said, what are you talking about? They said he can hit all velocities, both sides of the plate. He can hit the high pitch, the low pitch, breaking balls, change up. There's nothing in the strike zone he can't hit. No, oh, by the way, if you want to try to expand the zone, he'll spit on those pitches too. And I said, as a rookie at 21 years old, you're telling me I can't find a hole anywhere in the strike zone. Not a single hole. Just mix it up the best you can and pray. And that's what we did for the next decade. We mixed it up and prayed. And the answer came out very loud how great Albert Pujols was. That's an incredible story, Jim. Uh, final question that I've got for you, because sometimes I think it's okay to be a bit of a baseball romantic. And that's, I think for a lot of Cardinals fans, that's where this conversation is coming from right now. So Jim, you've, you've been around this team. You were in this division for a number of years. You've seen what Cardinals fans are like when they have one of their own coming home. If it were possible, if Albert were to take a reduced role and the Cardinals decided that he would make their team better with that 26th spot on the roster, what do you think it would be like as Albert Pujols is announced as maybe a pinch hitter in the next couple of weeks at a home game at Bush Stadium? What would that scene be like for you? Um, Goosebumps. Um, Maybe even a tear. I mean, like, that would be incredible to be able to watch him go home to St. Louis and put on that red St. Louis hat in front of their fans and then hit a pinch hit homer to win a game in the 11th inning. I mean, a moment like that, it would, there's nothing like that at all. Jim, we always love having you on, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today. Fantastic story there about Albert yes. Pools, the first time you saw him in a game. Thanks so much for hopping on. All the best with Power Alley. We'll be listening. We'll talk with you again soon. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. That's Jim Bowden, former Major League General Manager, and as I said, co-host of Power Alley weekdays from 9 to noon on MLB Network Radio. Can you imagine that? You're general manager with the Reds. You tell your scouts, hey, go check this guy out. I've never heard of him. I know nothing about him other than the fact that he's up with the big league club. And even in St. Louis, nobody thought that he was going to be a part of the big league club until he raked in the 2001 spring training. And you're an opponent. You say, go, go see him for two weeks. And they say, hey, you can't pitch to him. It's 21-year-old kid. You can't pitch to him. He's going to be one of the best hitters in baseball. Like, what? What do you mean? 21 years old. And, you know, I went and looked at that Cincinnati Reds roster in 2001 and didn't have any, you know, they didn't have Roger Clemens or anybody big time on their roster in their terms of pitching. But they had Ken Griffey Jr. on the other side. Yeah. And that was, at the time, one of the best hitters in baseball. And you were just told, basically, that no, the other guy is going to be better than that. And Albert Pujols has been, man. It's 
it, it more so solidifies the reasoning for me that Albert Pujols should be back in St. Louis. And I know I'm not the one deciding this. This is Pujols who wants to continue to play. And frankly, Jim gave a lot of teams that make more sense. The Athletics, the Brewers. I didn't even think of the Brewers. Yep. The Cincinnati Reds. Um, if it comes down to retirement or a bench bat, I mean, you got to come back to St. Louis because you figure you're going to have one at-bat every game, maybe two at-bats every game, and you give yourself an opportunity to go out the way you should go out rather than the way he's gone out with the Angels. You know, you mentioned Ken Griffey Jr. I hadn't even really thought of this, but that's the comparison point. Like, Ken Griffey, at the end of his career, his age 39 and 40 seasons, went back to Seattle where everything began for him, and he wasn't the same player. Was he, he an everyday player for him? Uh, no, his final year, he ended up playing 33 games for the Seattle Mariners wow. and hit 185 for them with a 450 OPS. I mean, he was terrible. He was, he was absolutely awful. But he went out the over. way you need to go out. But he was back with Seattle, and I bet you a lot of Mariners fans, if you asked them, would say, man, we appreciated the heck well, out of seeing think, the kid back in Seattle one last and time. And think about the comparisons with it, too. Pools got those milestones in with the Angels. Really weren't – you were appreciated, but you weren't appreciated like you would have been in St. Yep. Louis. He hit those milestones Griffey did when he played with Cincinnati. I forgot which home run he hit. It was against the Cardinals in Bush Stadium on and he Father's had a, Day. His first year in Cincinnati, he was really good. But then after that, he, he, he wasn't, just wasn't the same, the same player. Guy. Nope. He had injuries guy. an awful lot, and then he goes back to Seattle and you go out. That's the way it should go out. And that's why I brought up just the legacy from him. He's always going to be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's always going to be the Albert Pujols. But you will be remembered forever as a Cardinal. Go out as a Cardinal rather than go out as an Oakland athletic at the end of your career. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's play a game of Bet It or Forget It. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Bet It or Forget It coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Alex and I are live from the E&B Granite Studios. Not you, Tanner. And I'm live the from Centene the Car Shield Studio. Center. Tanner's back in the home studio. Tanner's trying to get four. a sponsor with Car Shield. Just throwing their name out there. Well, let's play a game of better or forget it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Let's start with this one. I like this from the 314. Better or forget it, guys. If Albert Pujols signs with the Cardinals and hits a pinch hit homer in his first appearance in a game, it would get an even bigger ovation than Nolan Arenado's home opener home run. It would get a bigger ovation than Arenado's home run tied into Holiday's last home run tied with Pujols' home run with the Angels. Wow. I mean, you can't tell me that that would not be the loudest ovation probably since Game 6 of the 2011 World Series if Pujols comes back and hits a pinch hit home run in the Cardinals uniform. Like, come on. That place would erupt. And I can only hope and pray that if it happens, that we are as close to 100% capacity as possible in Bush Stadium because he oh, yeah. deserves that. I, I think I'm with you. I think I would bet that. I mean, look at the ovations we're getting from everybody's favorite, Matt Carpenter, when he hits home okay. runs. So now imagine when... I'm not that mean. Imagine when... No, it's, it, I think that's a fair point, though. I mean, if, for how much we talk about Matt Carpenter and you wanting to cook him, which is really weird to say, okay. it, so, everybody uh, gives him a standing so, ovation, uh, and it's really loud. And then you look at Arnado and what he gets when he home gets his first home run at, in a Cardinal uniform. You bring back Albert, one of the most beloved players in history. I, I think it's fair to say that it would be one of the loudest ovations we've ever heard. So when I went to the game on, I guess it would have been Wednesday night, guys, 
one of the willing? biggest uh, that was also surprising to me that people still think that's funny uh but one of the biggest surprises to me was the ovation that matt carpenter received when he stepped in as a pinch hitter like he hadn't done anything he's just stepping up to the plate and cardinals fans as much as we hear on our text line about how much people dislike him and want him to be dfa'd and all that and on twitter all the hate that you see for him there is a clear disconnect between that fan and the fan that is going to Cardinals games because he got the loudest ovation that I heard all day long when he was announced as a pinch hitter for the Cardinals. It was amazing. As for the question at hand, I'm betting it as well. Albert Pujols, dude, if he hits a pinch hit home run with this team to finish out this season at any point, it could be his only one of the rest of the year and he never does anything else. It would be the loudest ovation of the season and I'm not sure there would be a close second. I mean, it would be Jim Bowden said it. It's true. There would be chills. There would be tears. There would be hugs among friends that haven't seen each other. Like it would be, it would be an all time great sports moment. That's why we love sports and it's okay to be a romantic about it. Sometimes that would be incredible. I got, I got uh, one. I got one for you. Bet it or forget it. If that moment occurs, it would become one of the top 10 loudest moments at a sporting event in decibels or whatever it is. Well, but you're not going to have a full stadium. I hope it wait. Okay, I hope well, it waits to happen until like the fifth of July. Yeah, <laughs> but like, even then, like I don't even know if you're at hundred percent. You know what I'm hoping for next Here, year? I'll set the scene for you. What I'm hoping for: Cardinals, Cubs. An ice I don't cold know beer in my hand, nachos. No, that not not in yours. Okay, we don't we don't Im- imagine you with with beer. Tanner. I wasn't specifically thinking of Tanner Hendrickson in the stands. Doing but yeah, moves in the outfield. Tanner's in the stands. Let's see when the uh, the next time is around. Okay, here we go. Oh, dang, that's in Chicago. So let's go to the Even second better. half of the season. See when the Cardinals could. Okay, June 19th. You're getting, like, excited about this. June 19th, Cardinals versus Cubs, night game at Bush Stadium. Full capacity. First full capacity game of the season. They've just come out of the All-Star break. Or, yeah, uh, second half of the season now, just come out of the All-Star break. Albert Pujols steps to the plate. Pinch hit opportunity. He ha- he's gotten close, but he hasn't quite hit one out of the park yet. They're down 2-1, bottom of the ninth. Man on, two outs. Pop out to left field, game over, Cubs win. Ah, Albert down 0-2 oh. in the count. Hits one out of the park. Cardinals win, walk off. Albert's first homer as a Cardinal since his return. Yachty was on base. Oh my God! Just Whoa. imagine, Calm down. just imagine what that scene would be like at Bush Stadium. I just Stadium. spilled my imaginary beer. <laughs> I just dropped my imaginary hot dog. Tanner threw his beer on. Threw me. his hot dog I mean, into the stands. Uh, I got one for for you guys, uh, specifically BK. Albert Pujols is the Frank Gore of Major League Baseball. No, 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 no. The opposite. The opposite. What Hall of Famer? No, I'd say he is the Frank Gore. Frank Gore. The only reason we look at him as like a, a great player, quote unquote, never forget. is because he was a he was all about the longevity, right? Albert Pujols' peak, that ten year span, is arguably the best ten year stretch for any hitter in the history of the sport. Both are Hall of Famers. Those are not similar in any any way, shape, or form. It is a Frank Gore Friday, by the way, sir. Thank you for that. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Better to forget it. Cardinals fans would rather have a World Series than a Pujols farewell tour. Why can't we have both? That's where I'm at. Why? Why? Why does one have to not include the other? Pujols is probably going to make you a better team for a shot at a World Series. One because you're better off of the bench, and two 
The guys in that locker room are going to be the brain of a instant Hall of Famer every single day. Guys, Tommy Edmond might become a 30-home run hitter. Whoa, whoa. Tommy, I don't know how big Dylan Carlson might be hitting 60 bombs in a season. Oh, I hope not. I got to get a tattoo. Just for working with Albert Pujols. (laughs) The legend has grown over the last five minutes. (laughs) Yeah, it's just going to keep going. Nolan Arenado is just like 70 home runs. It's crazy. Wow. It's unbelievable. I would would honestly take the World Series over Pujols' farewell tour. We've already kind of had the farewell tour. Tour. If you had to choose between a World Series and Albert Pujols' return, everybody is going to take the World Series. I mean, let's be honest here, right? All but right. I, I'm with you, Alex. I don't think this has to be an either-or conversation. I think Albert makes you better, and that's my biggest reason as to why I think that he should be back in St. Louis is not because of the sentimentality and all of that, the nostalgia. All of that is great. That's just an added benefit, though. I think he makes your team better with him being on the bench as opposed to Lane Thomas, John Nagowski, the guys that are currently holding that final bench spot. So that's why I would want him in. All right, final question here. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Better or Forget It. Guys, Better or Forget It, if Albert ends up on the White Sox, Yadier Molina will follow him to Chicago next year. No. Unless they're going to pay him and to be the everyday catcher, he's not going to the White Sox. Because he's got an opportunity to play 162 games in St. Louis if he stays here. No, as as much as it would make sense, it, it's not going to happen. Yachty won't leave St. Louis. It, it, the St. Louis won't let Yachty leave after his season this year. So, no, I will say forget that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll forget it, too. I, I think Yachty wants to finish his career here in St. Louis. He has every intention of doing that. And I think as long as the Cardinals are willing to bring him back, we'll see that happen. So I'll forget it. I think he stays in St. Louis to finish his career. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. are there places that make more sense for Albert than St. Louis? It's a question that we've been talking about a lot today, and I thought Jim Bowden brought up a couple that could make sense. We'll talk about those and where he could potentially fit in and what that reception would be like coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Albert hits it a ton out to deep left. He gave us 11 years of memories we'll never forget. He's just given us another. I was telling these guys, I'm like, you guys are going to see amazing fans, you know, when we go to St. Louis. So my teammates enjoy it, you know. uh, I enjoyed it. This is probably one of the best moments of my career. I'm going to put it out there with a two World Series champion, you know, and the success that I have here. You know, I'm just still sinking in. I think in, in the next week or two, that's when I'm really going to realize what a special moment this was. Audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. That's what it sounded like the last time Albert Pools had a reunion here in St. Louis. Could there be another? That's the question as it is 1238. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So Bob Nightingale, we talked to him after he spoke with Albert Pools. This was back in March in spring training about, you know, what does the future hold for Albert? And at the time, we thought he was going to play out the rest of his contract this year in L.A., And then maybe next year he could be in for a reunion tour in St. Louis if there's a DH in the National League. Well, that schedule has been expedited a bit by him being released by the Angels. Here's what Bob Nightingale told us in March about the potential reunion. 
I, I do think he'll have to put that uniform on one more time. I mean, he just had a, uh, you know, such a great experience coming back, you know, in 2019 with the ovations. You know, he still calls that the, the greatest moment of his career, just how much that meant to him. So he seemed to think in March it, he would love, Albert would love to come back to St. Louis. And I think that's still probably the case. And so I think it once again comes down to, okay, what is the role going to be for him? And we were joined by Jim Bowden a little while ago, and he kind of said something similar. Listen, the Cardinals probably don't have a starting spot for him. In fact, they definitely they don't. don't have a starting spot for Albert Pujols, and most teams in baseball don't. Unless he can play left field. I like Tyler O'Neill. I'm pretty good with him out there right now. Can you play center? Maybe, Pujols maybe at center field, man, that would be certainly an <laughs> interesting uh, decision that, that somebody could make. Jim Bowden <laughs> says that there is one team in his mind, though, that stands out as a possibility. But I do think the one team that fits for him baseball wise is the Oakland Athletics. And they've got a history of bringing guys in at the end of their careers. Um, so this is something I've been open to. Mitch Moreland is struggling in the DH spot from the left side, hitting 203. I can see Albert Pujols and Moreland sharing the DH rules for Oakland. They're in a race. I think Albert, baseball-wise, would be better off if he could to stay in the American League West, where he's familiar with the pitchers over the last 10 years, where he can cheat a little bit. But I think that's the one spot that I can find where there was a possibility where he could be given every opportunity to platoon or try to win the DH job. That would be the spot. The only other spots that have been mentioned as possibilities where he could play regularly are Kansas City and Cleveland. Cleveland has a first base situation right now that nobody envies. Kansas City, maybe he could get some opportunities as a DH there regularly. If you squint, you can see it. But let's be honest, chances are it's unlikely that there's a whole lot of opportunities for him to play every day. So, Alex, have... Have you, as we've been going around the last, this is now basically 24 hours since we've heard the news, have you thought about the likelihood of him coming back to St. Louis? Not just whether or not we would do it. We both agree we would. Tanner's a hater. He says no. Yeah, he hates pools. Wow. Do you? What do you think are the chances now, as we've had about 24 hours to digest this, that Albert actually does end up with St. Louis? Um, I would put the chances right now at 50-50. Because I think he's going to search for a starting job. And there's a chance that somebody's going to give that to him. There's a chance that somebody just promises him that until they get him. And then they have him under contract. And then they can adjust with it. Which probably wouldn't turn out too pretty. Yeah, I don't think somebody's going to do that but with the this reason, guy. Eh, I could see somebody try it. But the reason it's 50-50 is because if it comes down to where he has to accept the role of a pinch hitter. Where nobody's going to give him an everyday opportunity. And he wants to hit. He wants to have a chance to catch some of these milestones, but he also wants that chance to compete for a championship. Then I think St. Louis goes to the top of that list. I don't think any other team really matters if you're looking at him as a pinch hitter because as a pinch hitter, you're just bringing in a guy. You're bringing in a guy who's 41 years old who could potentially hit a home run for you. If you're another team, you're looking at it as, I got more people that can play bench for me. But if you're the Cardinals, you look at this and say, we're bringing back a man who is going to let everyone relive their favorite moments as a Cardinal from 2001 to 2011. You're bringing in a guy who has World Series championship caliber. You're bringing a guy in who could help help our locker room. So I would put it at a 50-50 shot that he is back in St. Louis. I'm with you. I think it's 50-50. I, I, I do believe that the Cardinals 
would look at this and say, okay, he might actually be able to help our bench. You get the sentimental side that you were talking about where, you know, you can sell tickets for him. You get that happy ending of the he's going to retire here in St. Louis possibly. The side that I look at it, though, where I'm on the other side of this 50-50, I just don't know how they view it as does he really help the bench. I I think they're probably split on that. I I understand the numbers. He's hitting left-handed pitcher as well. You look at the Cardinals bench, and it's not been – great at all this season but again the versatility of here with no dh every spot matters on that bench and having one guy there that's just going to pinch hit and that's his only thing that he can do to me doesn't make much sense from a baseball side of things real quick from the 573 way to go out there on a limb ferrari oh, mr 95 <laughs> percent. look that should give you more the reason why to believe in the 50 50 because i don't believe it's 95 percent like i did arenado so i'll give you guys a hypothetical scenario to tanner's point about you know the there are probably people within the organization that don't think he is a significant upgrade off the bench. I disagree with that personally, but here's a hypothetical scenario that I put out there on Twitter. I'm at BK Sports Talk. Alex is at Ferrario 101 ESPN. Tanner is at T-Bone underscore 101 ESPN. Did I get that right, Tanner? I don't know if there's an underscore He doesn't know what an underscore is. Tanner is at T-Bone 101 ESPN. There we go. that to woo in the loo. <laughs> and so I put out a hypothetical hypothetical scenario. The Cardinals are down two to one. It's the bottom of the seventh inning. The opponent has a lefty on the mound. He's a reliever. The Cardinals have runners on the corner, one out. Pitcher spot is due up, so you're going to pinch hit in this situation. You're pinch hitting against the lefty. Oviedo. Which bench option are you going with? Oviedo is actually not a terrible option, honestly. Uh, Lane Thomas, Edmundo Sosa, Albert Pujols, John Nagowski. Those are your options. Who are you going with in this scenario? If that's not 100% on Albert Pujols, then people need to rethink themselves. There are so far 500 votes in this poll. 78% say Albert Pujols. 15% have gone with John Nagowski. 5% Lane Thomas. and 2% Edmundo Sosa. That's where we're at so far. Okay, first of all. Overwhelmingly, that is Pujols. First of all, the 2% on Edmundo Sosa, somebody is just trying to get us angry. I think so, that was a misclick. Is Sosa right next to uh, Nagowski? Or he's by Pujols, probably. Yeah. Uh, he's right above Pujols. So oh, that was a misclick. It's fine. Fat thumb, sorry. That's what we're talking about here. This is not a Pujols versus Matt Carpenter. It is a... The 26th spot on the roster, does Albert Pujols make that spot better? And my answer to that question is yes. Now, here's another thing that we have to consider. It does give you a little less flexibility. You can't go up and down on the roster the way that you can with other guys, but you still got the IL. So if somebody ends up getting hurt, you can bring other guys up. If you've got an outfielder that gets hurt, you can still bring up Lane Thomas later on if you need him to fill in for you. So... There are opportunities there to continue going up and down with Dean and Thomas and all those other guys, but it does take away a little bit of that flexibility. Let me give you another scenario, too. And I I understand Nagowski's where people are going to go with this, but let's say it's not an option. Let's say he's injured. If you have Paul Goldschmidt go down with a back injury and he's out for 15 days, who would you rather play first base, Carpenter or Pujols? I'd say I Carpenter. could go either way on that. See, that I one. would take Pujols. And I get Matt Carpenter's younger. Matt Carpenter, you know, doesn't have the plantar fasciitis problem. Look, Albert Pujols is still a better first baseman, even at the age of 41, than Matt Carpenter is right now. So I would put Albert Pujols in that situation. And I would be fine with those at-bats where he's getting three or four in a game rather than Matt Carpenter with three or four in a game. 
See, I, I view Carpenter and Pools as the same hitter right now. They, they're both hitting below 200. They both have some pop in their bat. Pools probably can't beat out a bunt for a single, but, you know, Carpenter is only, only able to do it because there's the shift. And But then, so if I look at that Pujols and I say— isn't just going to run into a home run. Pools is going to hit a monster home run. Yeah, and when I look at it, who's what are you going to see more of? You're going to see more right-handed pitching. Carpenter is a lefty. And then yeah. if I still say that they're equal hitters— What's going to be my tiebreaker? It's going to be the defense. And for me, Matt Carpenter is more than likely a better defender at this point in his career than Pujols is at first base. Yeah, but is Carpenter chasing any milestones? I don't care. If I'm looking at a baseball perspective, I don't care about the milestones. I, got plenty I understand of guys they're looking of, at that. But I got plenty of guys off of my bench that can play second base, can play shortstop, that can play third base if I need them to. I got plenty of outfielders right now. I don't have a guy who's chasing milestones that's going to make people flip to that game or buy tickets to that game. Yeah, I, I don't think that should even come into the consideration with this. I The Cardinals have, after a season where nobody was able to go out to the stadium and you're, you're seeing every night, I mean, the, they're at capacity for what they're allowed to have and they're going to continue to be at that. I don't think this is going to come down to a money decision. But I think it's them. the only reason you're looking at it if you're the Cardinals. I don't think you're looking at this as, oh, well, this is going to make us a better ball club. because both. I think you're more looking at what it could do for you just having the player in your organization rather than just bringing the guy in because you feel like he's making you better. I think you're looking at that one more than you're looking at him as a player. I think the reason you're looking at him is because of who he is. You're right. I think that the reason that you sign him is because you think he makes him makes you better. You do not sign him for the nostalgia reasons. If that's exclusively why you're doing this, it's a bad move uh, because then that becomes just another Matt Carpenter decision. But... If you're looking at him because of who he is, and that's probably it, and then also on top of that, you decide, okay, we are a better baseball team with Albert than without him, that's why you go out there and make this move. So I, I think we're kind of coming at it from the same – we're arriving at the same destination for mm -hmm. different reasons, and ultimately that's what matters. Yeah. So I, I do think that it's going to take some convincing – for Albert to take a reduced role. And we've got a lot of texters that have said something to the effect of, hey, guys, the, the Angels just released the guy because he was unwilling to be a bench bat. That's true. He was unwilling to be a bench bat for the Angels. Well, it wasn't a bench bat. It was a reduced role. It, that could be different. I mean, he when you think of reduced role, that could mean that he's not even the go-to pinch hitter for him. Yeah, At least that's kind of how I looked at it as like they got more options off of the bench and playing time than they would for Albert Pujols right now. Yeah, regardless of what the actual role would have been, he, he didn't want it and he didn't want it in L.A. I do think it would be different here. Yeah, I think he, if there's any team in baseball that he's going to take a reduced role to play for, it would be here in St. Louis. And so that's kind of why we're having this discussion is if he doesn't find what he's looking for elsewhere. St. Louis could be that fallback spot. And I do think he makes a lot of sense for a million different reasons yeah. to join us here in St. Louis. We'll talk about this more coming up in the one o'clock hour coming up at one o'clock. We have not talked much blues today. I got to ask Alex, Mike Hoffman, am I going to have to get a number 68 tattooed on my, you know what? Yes, you are. We'll talk about that coming up at one o'clock and whether or not he deserves to be a long-term answer for the Blues in St. Louis. But coming up next, we're going to dive into the junk drawer. That's here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. With 
Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up here in about 10 minutes or so, I want to ask Alex if Mike Hoffman's a guy that I should be watching for an extension with the Blues coming up this offseason. We'll do that in about 10 minutes, but let's dive into the junk drawer. Alex, you have a, a little girl at home that you've been taken care of. Your daughter, of course. That's, that would be, yeah, I was going to say my daughter. And you have Careful to. there. Fair. I, I should probably <laughs> Come on now. clarify moving forward. Your daughter is what, two months old now? Yep. So you have to watch out for stuff with her when it comes to electronics and technology and social media and all of this stuff moving forward. And it, we are living in a very different world for kids growing up nowadays than when we were growing we're up. We're living in a material world, and I am a material girl. Something like that. Well, when she turns four, hopefully she doesn't do what Noah Bryant did on his mother's phone recently. I, I already know where this is going, and it is not good. So Noah Bryant is a kid, four-year-old, who lives with his mother, Jennifer, in Brooklyn. And he allegedly logged into her Amazon account while he was on her phone and uh, decided to make a bulk purchase because, <laughs> of course, that's what we do. He got on there and purchased $2,600 worth of SpongeBob SquarePants popsicles. What? <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> popsicles. I, I knew we were going into bulk purchases, and when you said SpongeBob, I'm like, okay, maybe you bought like $2,600 worth of SpongeBob material. This kid bought $2,600 worth of popsicles? Yes. Is that like 2,600 popsicles? It's a lot of popsicles. It was Damn. 51 cases that contained 918 popsicles. What? Uh oh. Good news is he won't run out in a uh, long time. Uh, no. Good news. Uh, hopefully they have a deep freeze at their house. Yeah, they're going to need one. Yeah. Um, so they've set up a GoFundMe for it. Sounds like oh, things are on. going all right. They set up but a GoFundMe for this? Amazon would not refund her because she made the purchase. They have the button delivered. that you can click that says, my kid hit this on accident. I use it all the time. Well, yes, but, you know, that uh, <laughs> she... Okay, seriously, she probably though, didn't realize it in real time. This is a legit fear of mine. Like, oh, it's got to be like this. Like, I've talked with Katie about this before. Like, I, I feel like I don't want to give our daughter a cell phone or a computer until they're like 16 years old because of this reason. I don't want them to purchase something in bulk and then not be able to refund it because I'm not having $2,600 worth of popsicles in my house. Dude, can you imagine? Like you get home and you're looking outside and there's a package that's been delivered or you you're on your phone, right? Cause they send you the email with the picture saying, Hey, Amazon has delivered something to your front door. Yeah. And you're like, that is a very large box. So you text, you text your wife you're like, Hey, uh, did, did you order something from Amazon? She texts you back. No, what, why, what's going on? And finally you get home and you realize we have 500 popsicles that are sitting on our porch that not only are they there, but let's say this came in like the dead of summer. It's 110 degrees outside and now they're all melted. Okay, so I just went to Amazon to try and like type this in to see how this works. So I went to the SpongeBob SquarePants popsicle yeah. and uh, you can only go to 30 for quantity in stock. Like you can buy a 30... <laughs> quantity of boxes now i'm trying to figure out god i hope i don't purchase this myself i'm trying to figure out how yeah, much don't this make a mistake that this so, kid did so no i one. did this where basically i bought 30 boxes of this and that only costed me 600 dollars. so this four-year-old no what i'm saying is this four-year-old 
did this purchase and then went back and did the purchase again and again and again. Like he did this four times where he bought 30 he must boxes have done of like SpongeBob. overnight delivery too on all of it. This kid must be a genius when it comes to technology. Yeah, I this is something that I have like a, a legitimate fear about when it comes to, to my baby girl finding a way to do this. From so, the so real quick from the 573, guys, anything that can be used to purchase needs to be a password protected. This has happened to me multiple times as well. Luckily for me, it was just a $20 movie and a $100 prize fight well, that hey, my kid ordered. Depending on that prize fight, it might have been worth it for $100. Kid might have good taste. Unless you're me and I've always got a guy for right. you, Alex. Uh, that's very true. We should probably check into that. By the way, real quick side story before my junk drawer. I have a cousin. I think I've told the story on the air before. I have a cousin who, when he was 12 years old, little bit older he purchased five thousand dollars worth of adult films on his mom's television oh my god and they went downstairs and they found the bill that he was hiding underneath the couch and it was five thousand dollars worth of adult films on a television it's amazing i would take the spongebob popsicles over that any day I don't know. That's I don't know. That's true. I'd have a, <laughs> a very busy weekend if that's the case. So another thing that I have a legit fear of is heights. We've talked about this before. So on a roller coaster in, I believe this was in Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. I want to go back and look at this. Oh, no, this was in the United Kingdom. Tallest roller coaster in the United Kingdom. It got stuck 45 minutes at an incline 215 feet in the air. And it just was stuck. So basically, they sat there for 45 minutes. And this is like at the the peak of the roller coaster when you're going up. And there was no way to get it going. So they basically had to tell the people to get out of their coaster, pull the the uh, the lever back that's keeping them in the seat and walk down the emergency uh-uh. stairs. Nope, you're gonna have to come get Maya. <laughs> uh, I, I would just basically have to close my eyes and hold on and just say, nope, I'll wait till you get it started because I'm not walking down. Y'all gotta get a crane. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not coming down. Yeah, you gotta call the police department, get some some ladders or something, a helicopter because I'm not getting out of this seat. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line from the three one four. Being afraid of heights is soft. Yeah, yeah, and I'm soft. Fine with it. <laughs> I'm afraid of snakes, too, and people tell me that's soft. I don't care. I'm with you guys. I'm soft. I hate heights. I feel like we have made this very clear. I've never never pretended to be anything otherwise. (laughs) Like, come on now. Um, Yeah, no, 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 no. no. So this would be bad. The the thing that you were talking about, the slingshot where you you can get stuck in that guy, that is way worse. Anything where you are, like, propelled in the air upside down, that would be worse spinning if the ride not gets stuck but continuously cannot turn off and for whatever reason stopped, yeah mm-hmm. no like I'm not I, on that. I, I won't do roller coasters that flip because of that reason because i'm worried it will flip and stop in the uh in the in the worst timing i was gonna say what's that one ride where it'll spin and then it'll kind of go on its side that's the one i would not want to get stuck on where you I get kind of strapped, you get strapped in, and then it kind of spins around, and then it kind of goes on its side. Oh, like what was that ride at Six Flags? Like the called. Excalibur? Yeah, I think Where like so. the peak of it spun, and then it like flipped you back and forth? Yeah, no, I don't do that because I would vomit all over people yeah, anyway. So. I'm good on that. But being afraid of heights is weak, so sorry. Or soft, I should say. <laughs> it is, and I am. Yes. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. So Mike Hoffman, is this a guy My that we should Hoffman. consider moving forward? See a piece of the blues in 2021 and beyond. We'll talk about the possibility next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. So Mike Hoffman been pretty darn good of late for the Blues, and it's something that I certainly did not expect to see. Has he become a player that the Blues should look to re-sign at this point? Jamie Rivers and the guys talked about that yesterday on the fast lane. Which way do you pivot if you're Doug Armstrong, especially if this Mike Hoffman character continues to produce for you? Last night, quick power play, pass, pass, shot, goal. It's like he's money right now on the power play. And the dangerous thing is everybody on that unit knows when and where to get him the puck now. So I I, I don't necessarily sit here and say Doug Armstrong should absolutely sign Mike Hoffman. It's a no-brainer. Give him this, give him that. But what I am saying is for those who thought we should just move on and it was a one-year arranged marriage, what I am saying is maybe we pause for a second and kick the tires on what a deal might look like. Mike Hoffman in his last 11 games has eight goals, four assists, 12 points overall. He is a plus one in terms of his plus minus on the ice, and he's averaging 14 minutes per game on the ice. Alex, you have been pitching this topic to us for, I think, a month. I've said, no, 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 no. We can't talk about Mike Hoffman getting re-signed. That's ridiculous. Well, it's no longer ridiculous. It is absolutely something that the Blues are going to have to consider how real do you think this possibility is at this point? Well, one, it depends on what Mike Hoffman wants. And I have, I, I texted you guys a couple of games ago and I said, would you take Tarasenko for the next two years at 7.5 mil per year? Or would you take a Mike Hoffman for the next four years, maybe making $6 million per year? And I think it's a legitimate question. Now, can you move on from Tarasenko? I don't know if that's the possibility or I don't know if you want to move on from him because you give him a full season, maybe he gets back to normal. But look, Mike Hoffman was not happy about being healthy scratch this season multiple times. You could tell in his voice, you could tell in his post-game press conferences after the trade deadline had wrapped. But he's also finding success right now with this team. And you're starting, when you work in a system for an entire season that's different than what you're used to, you start to pick it up. And it looks like Mike Hoffman's starting to understand the way that Craig Berube wants him to play, at least in these last couple of games. And he's a legitimate power play threat. If you go back and look at the last few seasons for the St. Louis Blues, I went back the last two seasons. you know how many guys have scored more than 30 goals in the season? You've had two each season. Last year it was Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko. And uh, no, 18-19 it was Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly. 17-18, I don't count last year because it was a sure. shortened season. 17-18 it was Jaden Schwartz and Vladimir Tarasenko. Mike Hoffman's got 17 goals in 47 games this season. If you put that in an 82-game schedule, on top of that being on top of a normal season where you have a normal offseason, a normal training camp, a normal preseason, I mean, you're legitimately talking about a guy who could score 35 goals for you, and he's a two-time 30-goal scorer. He's had multiple seasons where he's had over 25 goals. You don't have a legitimate scoring threat without Mike Hoffman. And that's where I come to this and say, if I'm Doug Armstrong, I look at this team and I say, we got a lot of decisions to make. Colton Pareko is going to be up for a contract sooner or later. We just locked up Jordan Bennington. Kyrou and Thomas are young players. They're going to be restricted free agents. What do we do with Jaden Schwartz? Because he's going to command somewhere between five and a half to six and a half million dollars and could get that on the open market. Do you bring back a Jaden Schwartz who has less than 10 goals on the season and has been injured this year, was injured last season, same result? Or do you bring back a guy like Mike Hoffman, who not only can score us 30 goals in a season, but makes our power play one of the best power plays in the National Hockey League? And look at it. Now that he is in this system correctly, and he's on the number one unit, 
this power play is one of the best power plays since the beginning of April. So, yeah, I think you bring back Mike Hoffman if you get him at a reasonable price. But, again, does Mike Hoffman want to come back? That's, I think, the biggest question you'd have to find out. That's the tough part. We don't know the answer to that. But if we assume that he is willing to, I'm I'm certainly more open to the idea of him coming back now than I was a month ago even. I think you have to be because he has opened things up on that power play in a way that they really needed. And you say they don't have a scoring threat. I I would quibble a little bit with that. I think David Perron has been that for this team as well. Uh, They are different, though, and he is a one timer um, that that's hard to find. I mean, he was he was sold as being the guy that we have seen now for the last month. That's the guy that we thought that the Blues were signing. And it took a while for him to really uh, embrace what the Blues are and really for the Blues to embrace what Mike Hoffman is. But finally, they got there and we're seeing now what the results of that are. I do think it's possible. I don't think it's going to come down to Vladimir Tarasenko versus Mike Hoffman. I think Vladdy's going to be back next year either way. It very well may come down to, though, Hoffman versus Schwartz. And that's a really interesting discussion. I think I would lean Jaden Schwartz. I would also be very interested to see what the other options are out on the open market as well, though. Who are the other guys that you could get in that price range? Who could you get that's on the open market or via trade? It's going to cost you that 5 to $6 million per year. Is Brandon Saad somebody that you would look at? Are there other alternatives in that same price range? I don't know, but it's something that I think is worth considering for the Blues. And given some of the struggles that we've seen offensively for this team this year, I do think that they will be more open to the open market this year than I expected them to be. The other thing you got to consider is health. And if you look at Jaden Schwartz, you know, some of his best seasons were, if you look at it, 15 or uh, 14, 15, where he had 28 goals, he played 75 games, 15, 16 season was when he had that, that nasty ankle injury and kept him out for a while, came back. But if you go from 17, 18 on, he, he's missed a decent amount of games in a season. I missed he, he missed 20 games in the 17-18. He missed 13 and 18-19. Uh, last year, he played a majority of those games because of the shortened season. Mike Hoffman uh, played 82 games consecutively in 17-18 and 18-19. He played 69 with the Panthers. So this is a guy who stayed healthier than Jaden Schwartz, which I think is another thing that you take into consideration. And the way Jaden Schwartz plays is part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he is a guy that is... I, 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 I'm going to say this is going to sound wrong. It's not that he's a dirty player, but he plays a dirty game. Like it's it's a it's a hard nosed game the way that he plays, and so that leads itself to more injuries, more wear and tear on the body. So it makes sense that that would be the case for him. And he's also no longer a spring chicken. He's twenty. He's going to be 29 years old next year. So if you signed him to a four or five year contract, the back end of that is age 33, age 34. That's those are where the lean years start to come in. So it, it's going to be tough for them. They've got really difficult decisions in the offseason, but something that is nice for the Blues is that Mike Hoffman's made it a decision point. There was once upon a time a month ago where this wasn't even a question. If you had asked us then, hey, do you go Schwartz or Hoffman? Yeah, it's Schwartz 100 times out of 100. Now it's an open question as to which way they would lean on that. You know, the biggest thing for me is you don't have guys who just put the puck on net. You got guys who like to pass the puck. You got guys that like to forecheck and cycle the puck, but you don't have a guy who's just selfishly willing to say, it's mine and I'm going to shoot it. And that's what Mike Hoffman is. And frankly, that's kind of what Jordan Cairo has been this season. Part of the reason why he's had this emergence. It's why I like that line with, with Robert Thomas, because now Robert Thomas's lack of shooting 
is less of an issue when you've got two guys yeah. that love to shoot on either well, side. And no disrespect to Vladimir Tarasenko because, look, the guy's been a 40-goal scorer in his career, but Tarasenko is definitely a passive type of player where if he has the pass, he's going to take that rather than just shoot with his lethal shot. He waits for the right moment. Mike Hoffman will put eight shots on goal in a game at even strength just because he's got the puck and he's in the shot where he feels like he can take it. I think you need more guys like that on this roster if you're going to play this style of hockey that's speed-oriented. So that's part of the reason, another reason why I feel like Mike Hoffman might make some sense for the Blues in the future. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, or five minutes or so, we'll talk about why uh, what we're watching right now from the Angels. This is why it was best-case scenario for the Cardinals not to re-sign Albert Pujols a decade ago. We'll get into that in about five minutes, but... Alex, yesterday we were going to talk about this prior to the Albert Pujols news. The Pujols. We saw the awesome uh, return potential finale for David Backus on Wednesday night. And it made me think, you know, who... Who are the most beloved Blues of the last 20 years? Bobby Plager, we, we talked so much about yeah. him over the last couple of months, and he is, I mean, maybe the most beloved Blue ever. He was the Blue, right? But when I look back on the last 20 years or so, this this modern era of Blues hockey, I wanted to get your list because I was curious, where does David Backus rank on that list? He's definitely up there somewhere, but... For you, who are your most beloved Blues of the last 20 years or so, this modern era? Yeah, and I sat down and, and took some time to write this list out because, um, you know, this is this is tough with so many big names. Absolutely. Now, the first thing I want to say with this list is I didn't have McKinnis or Pronger on this because, yes, they played in the 2000s, but they were more heavy in the 90s with this Blues team. So here's kind of where I was with my top five. The first one for me is Alex Petrangelo, and I think that's mostly because of the Stanley Cup uh, with – what happened in his career here and being drafted and taking this team to kind of the promised land. I put number two is Keith Kachuk because Keith Kachuk is a fan favorite to this day. Number seven is what people all recognize with. I had David Backus at number three because I really think people underappreciate what David Backus meant to this organization, kind of getting them to this point. Uh, number four was Ryan O'Reilly. Number five, David Perron. Number six, Barrett Jackman. Number seven, TJ Oshie. Eight, Jordan Bennington nine Ryan Reeves, and ten Steve Ott. That's kind of where I went through with this. And if you look at kind of where these guys are, I mean, Perron is very similar to the same thing with Alex Petrangelo. Uh, Barrett Jackman, uh, people loved Barrett Jackman from the moment he won the Calder Trophy, just from the the gritty style he played because it reminded them a lot of Bobby Plager. Uh, TJ Oshie I put on here because he was a part of that youth movement that helped the kind of organization get out of that post-lockout slump where they were losing games nonstop. Biddington speaks for itself. Um, and then Ryan Reeves and Steve Ott. I mean, those are two guys that people love blue-collar players. People love guys that will go out there and drop the gloves if they need to, much like Tony Twist and Kelly Chase. So those two guys, I think, really made an impact on Blues fans here. What about Maroon, Pat Maroon? I would probably have him on my top ten list above Reeves or Otter. Yeah. I, Just because he was he was kind of those guys – but he did it for a Stanley Cup team. So I, w- I would probably have Pat Maroon a little higher. Yeah, I mean, I think that is probably shame on me not having Pat Maroon up there. I, I just It was one year of Pat Maroon, and yes, it was a monumental moment, but I feel like most Blues fans love the longevity of what these guys has, have meant. But yeah, I would probably put Pat Maroon on this list, so maybe bounce Steve Ott out, which I loved Steve Ott, and I think a lot of people loved Steve Ott. And, and people are already texting, and no Pavel Dimitra. No, I didn't have Pavel Dimitra on here because Dimitra was uh, more so late 90s, early 2000s than, you know, I'm talking like 
early 2000s to mid-2000s to kind of David Backus's territory because Demetra would be top three for me if that was the case. His final year in St. Louis was 03-04. That was his last year playing yeah, for the Blues. It's just not as much time compared to like Keith Kachuk who was here until 08 and then traded and then came back. What about Alex Steen? I feel like Steener's got to be on this list too. Those would be, if I were, because your list is good, like one through seven or eight, actually. One through eight, I think I agree with all of these. Petro, Kachuk, Backus, Ryan O'Reilly, Perron, Jax, Oshie, Benner. We can disagree on where they are, but I think that's those yeah. guys would all be in my top ten. Instead of Reeves and Otter, I think I would have Maroon and Steen on yeah. the list. Yeah, and I think those are good ones to have on there, especially Maroon. And again, I think that's more shame on me. I didn't really think more into, yes, he won the cup. I was thinking longevity terms sure. more than anything. Uh, but with Steener, and that's another one, longevity, and of course he's been part of that Stanley Cup run. I just I looked at it at a different angle of just the way that people got so on board with how Ryan Reeves played that I felt like people really – loved that and they missed that like the one thing you're talking about is man you wish you had a guy like that on your team and I think that kind of goes into it but you could say the same for Alexander Steen I think I would have Steen right there at 10 or 11 for me 65780 is the air comfort service text line would love to see some of your lists on this who would be your most beloved blues over the last 20 years this 2000 to 2020 period of kind of the modern blues Alex's list once again Petro at number one then you've got Kachuk Backus Ryan O'Reilly Perron at five, Jacks at six, Oshi Binner, and then he had Reeves and Otter at the back end of this list. I would throw Maroon and Steen on the back end there. If you guys want to get your lists in, do so on the text line, 65780. We can go through some of those over the next 30 minutes or so. Coming up next, what we are watching right now, what the Angels are going through, this is why I've always said I do think looking back, it's all right to say the Cardinals made the right choice in not bringing back Pujols. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. He clearly had to play in pain. He couldn't play first base every day. And that, you know, decreased his value as it does with many players who get to be the age of Albert Poole. So, yes, the Cardinals uh, probably in the end won on that one. If it's possible to say they got rid of one or they one of the greatest players of all time left the team, and long-term, they were probably better off. What would have been the best part, Alex? And by the way, that was Tim Kirkshin on the morning show earlier today. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question, I guess, here. A rhetorical question, I don't, rather. I don't answer rhetorical questions, but go ahead. What would have been the best part of Albert Pujols re-signing here in St. Louis? Like, the, the thing that would have made it the best was what? It's the moments, right? The milestones. The milestones? Yeah. So, what if I told you, Cardinals fans, you could still get some of those milestones. Not all of them. You could still get maybe the biggest one, though, here in St. Louis without having to go through all of the, all of those other lean years. And while having won 25 playoff games over the last decade, while Albert Pujols in the Angels won zero playoff games over the last 10 years. You'd say you sign up for that, right? You'd still get the milestones? And you still get the 2021 milestones that Albert Pujols But those aren't the achieve. same milestones, though. You don't get all of them. Those you aren't don't. the six hundred home, the six hundredth, the five hundredth, the three thousandth hit. You don't get those. You do not. But I would take the playoff wins and the World Series championships over those any day of the week. Absolutely. And this is why when we've had this conversation over the years about did the Cardinals do the right thing there? Looking back, was it was it for the best that they did not re-sign Albert Pools? I've always said yes, and it's hard because you'd love 
to have Albert on the roster, right? You would have loved to have had those moments here in St. Louis. But if you look at the way that his body has deteriorated, he is, I mean, right now, he's either a designated hitter or he's a DH. That's probably what he's going to be, what he has been really for the last five years and what he should be moving forward. He wouldn't have had those same opportunities here in St. Louis. And if he stayed, you probably didn't go out there and sign Carlos Beltran in 2012. You probably, you might not go to that World Series in 2013, given what Beltran gave you. You might not be able to re-sign Wayno and Yachty and Carpenter and Holiday. Things just look a lot different over the last decade with Albert here than with him going elsewhere. And I know it's hard, and I know that you would have rather had those milestones here, and I get all of that. I, I really do, sincerely. But now especially that we have the opportunity to potentially see Albert come back to St. Louis, I think this is even more reason as to why you look back on it, you can say, you know what, it's probably for the best for all involved that it went the way that it did. Can I play devil's advocate here, though? Because I'm with Please. you. I, I'm with you. The, the wins, the playoff appearances, those are important. Plus, remember, you wouldn't have Yachty and Wayno right now. You wouldn't have both of those guys at, here. At least not one of them, probably. One of them wouldn't be here, and I don't know who it would probably be Wayno more than Yachty, but you wouldn't have one of them. Do you win one of those World Series, though, with Pujols on the roster? In 2013, for example? Like, I think you win that World Series in 2013 with Pujols on the roster. I think you probably get to another one and make it close, if not win another. I think you have the possibility of winning two more World Series if you keep Pujols here. See, I don't know. That 2013 team, I mean, you you would not have had Carlos Beltran on the roster. And that year, he was really good for the Cardinals. I, I don't know that you're significantly better with having that version of Albert Pujols as opposed to that version of Carlos Beltran. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense because you're you are negating that outfielder, and you got to fill that Craig void. At that point, was playing first. Yeah, so and he was great that year. And maybe Alan Craig's the outfielder, and maybe Pujols replicates with Carlos Beltran. And, and you know, you don't know. Maybe 2012, you're able to get into the World Series with Albert Pujols on the roster, or 14, you're able to get there. That's the only hesitancy with it. And again, I'm with you. I would rather have what the Cardinals have done since than take the what if with Albert Pujols. But do they win a World Series again with Pujols would be my question. And if so, that's where it kind of stings a little bit on top of the milestones. Yeah, I just I think the answer is no, because Albert almost immediately when he got to L.A. was not the same guy that we saw here in St. Louis. He has never hit 300 for the Angels. His best OPS in any individual season with the Angels was his first year there. That was 2012. He was at 859. But would that have been different? If he stayed in St. Louis, maybe, but I think his body was going to deteriorate either way. And yeah. there's no way of knowing, right? It's possible you're right. And his body ends up holding up better in St. Louis. I don't know. But if we assume the same and he gives you kind of similar production that he gave to the angels, 2013, he played less than a hundred games. And from there on, he has not reached an 800 OPS in any individual season. So it's hard for me to believe that that guy that he became almost immediately upon leaving would have made the Cardinals better than having whoever the replacement was for that $25 million spot on the roster, you know? Yeah. Tebow, what do you think? I agree with BK. I, I don't know if you can win that 2013 World Series if you have Albert Pujols. Because I Carlos, don't think you make it in 2013 with him as opposed to Carlos Beltran. That's probably fair because, yeah, Carlos Beltran was your best player that you got Craig playing first base. Again, you could have put Craig in the outfield, but he, 
I'm what trying to think of that. Compared, 20... I mean, Albert Pools in 2013, this is the other thing that makes it difficult. He got hurt that season and played 100 games and missed the rest of the year. And he... Craig got, I think 2013 is that first year that we see Craig deal with the ankle injuries. He gets hurt in the World Series, which really was the downfall. Yeah. But he never was comfortable, would never have been comfortable in the outfield if you put him out there, too. Yeah, so yeah. I, it, I feel like they win at least one more World Series if Pujols was here between 2012 and 2014. I think they win at least one more. Maybe. I think the guys that they signed kind of made up for it, and that's that's what made it more difficult for me to believe is I, I Mo did a really good job of putting those teams together post-Albert Pujols and has continued to do so since then by bringing in the talent. Like right now, for example, even if they did – find a way to keep Yachty and Wayno and they kept Carpenter around. I know that's kind of a different discussion entirely, but even if they did keep all of those legacy players here in St. Louis, maybe Albert's presence prevents them from getting Paul Goldschmidt. And that certainly would not be good for the team right now. You'd be worse off as a result. So wouldn't prevent you from Nolan Arenado because I was Mr. <laughs> 95%. You just, I look back on it. It's like, man, I, especially now with the possibility of him coming back to St. Louis. I kind of look back to 2011 and it's hard. It hurts to not have that guy hitting all of those milestones in a Cardinals uniform. And it, it sucks. And as Jim Bowden told us earlier, he's only going to remember Albert pools in a Cardinals uniform. When he looks back on his career, he's not going to think of anything that happened for him while he was out in LA. It's all going to be him being a Cardinal. It just, it seems to me, and somebody on the text line also mentions you wouldn't have Michael Walker in this scenario as well. Yeah, that's another one that you wouldn't have. So well, it worked out for a couple of years. Walker was really good for this team, though, especially early on. Um, it, it, I do think looking back, this was a situation where it ended up, and I think we're going to look back on this being the case, being the best case scenario for all parties involved, especially if he comes back. I did want to get to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. We have a mic drop. Is this from Mike, I believe? Talking Mike about on the mic. what he would like to see uh, in terms of the Albert Pools return in St. Louis. Hey, guys, I had to leave this mic drop. We got to blame the MLB for not even giving us a chance for this Albert Pools situation. If they just had the DH in the NL, it would be a no-brainer. So, really, thanks, MLB. Thanks for really screwing this up for us. What? Mike. Say it, Mike. Mike. Say it with your chest. He is right. When he said that when he started that mic drop, I thought he was about to say, sorry, I had to leave a meeting so I could leave this mic drop. You're like, man, that is commitment, and I love you, Mike, for that. He's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. Because Imagine. otherwise this would be we wouldn't even be having this conversation. All we'd be talking about is well he signed and now he's going to be the DH. Imagine if the D, the National League did have the DH. You'd basically platoon it with Carpenter and no, Albert. There's no platoon. Matt, you can sit on the bench while Albert takes the DH every single day. Matt's <laughs> numbers aren't that far behind pool. Holes. I don't care, Tanner. He's not chasing 700 home runs. Especially against righties. Matt Carpenter's numbers have actually been better I than Albert Pujols. I don't care. All Carp does <laughs> is just ground out. Pujols is chasing 700. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One got to go to finish out the week. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. It's my favorite time of the week. It's time for me to get crushed on the text line, otherwise known as one's got to go. Yeah, 65780 is the Air now. Comfort Service text line. <laughs> 
You give us four options. We'll, we will tell you which one's got to go. Let's start with this one. Alex's favorite category. One got to go hard seltzer flavor edition. Yeah, baby. Blackberry, lime, strawberry, or mango. Oh. Or excuse me, black cherry. I apologize. Oh, black good, cherry, lime, say. strawberry, or mango. Which one's got to go, Alex? Oh, yeah, then mango's got to go. I don't even like mango. Are you, really? I, I was I was torn between mango and blackberry because I don't but know. But now that it's black now cherry, that it's black totally cherry, different. it's like, oh, baby, I'm in on this one. Lime is the powerhouse that's number the one. Yeah, that's the goat of all seltzers. Strawberry's pretty good. Strawberry's a little fruity for my flavor, but I'll take it every once in a while. And then black cherry. I mean, who doesn't like cherry drinks? Mango, get the hell out of here. You're ruining the seltzer party. Tanner, are you a, I know you're not a huge seltzer guy. Have you tried so any of these? I've tried seltzers. Yeah, I've tried them. I, I can't believe lime's your go-to. I hate lime. Oh, lime is the best, man. I can just pound like 15 of those and be good. I think black, I think black cherry's the best. <laughs> 15 seltzers? Oh, yeah. Just get on a golf course and start pounding. In those puppies, and my then, whole 18, oh. I'm feeling it. Yeah, I was gonna say, then you're buzzed at about 15. My so my one's gotta go on this one. I like black cherry, I'm with you on that, Alex. I'm not pounding 15 of them though. Hey man, keep keep after it. I also enjoy the lime. I'm higher on the mango than you are. No. Mango's pretty solid. The one that I've got to get rid of is actually gonna be the strawberry. Really? really? I'm good on that. A little too sweet too fruity. for my liking. Yeah. I'm I'm out on the on the strawberry editions of the seltzers, but I will say seltzers a little better than I expected them to be. You know be. what's great? You just pour strawberry and lime in there together and just oh go after it. Ugh. It's like a strawberry lime arita. That's what I'm talking about, and you're getting alcohol with it. How do you not like seltzers? Come uh, on. All right, one's gotta go dating app edition. This oh one was specifically God. for Tanner Hendrickson. T Bizzle. Tanner, one gotta go dating app edition. Tinder, bumble. Plenty of fish. I didn't know that existed. What the heck is that? There's plenty of fish in the sea. Or eHarmony. One's got to go dating app edition. I don't even know if I've ever heard of plenty of fish. Well, we're signing you up on all four of those right now. So. Are we? Yep. Cool. Well, we are. One of these days, we're actually going to do this. Oh, I will whenever I find time and don't fall asleep at 7 o'clock. <laughs> I think I'll say the uh, finding fish one because I've never heard of that, and that just feels like a weird name. I've heard of the other three. I'm looking into this, Tanner. I'm looking into okay. this for you. He didn't even have FarmersOnly.com on there for him. So apparently this is dating app or a dating app for grownups. Register today oh. to meet well, singles near you. You're not a grownup, Tanner, so that doesn't count. <laughs> well, Sorry, the, three, the 314 says eHarmony. That's for old people. Oh, well, well there you go. I am 80. Yeah. I am you 80, can, so you come on. You can play Canasta while you watch Murder, She Wrote. There we go. That sounds like a great time. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for One Gotta Go. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One Gotta Go. Saturdays, holidays, vacations, or birthdays. Saturday, holiday, vacation, birthday. Tanner, we'll start with you, my man. Which one's got to go? Oh, that's a really good one. No, it's not. There's an easy answer here. Is there? Why do I feel like I'm going to say the wrong answer then? Because you will. I uh, see. I enjoy Saturdays because it's really about the only day off. Old person. <laughs> I love how do you not? Yeah. How do you not love a Saturday? I, just, I love the way you said it. I enjoy Saturdays <laughs> because it's my only day off. Uh, holidays are good. Birthdays. What was the other one? Vacations. Saturdays, holidays, vacations, or birthdays. Vacations are great. Birthday. I'll say birthday because mine's in the middle of August and it's always hot as hell and there's always not a whole lot to do. So I'll that, say I'll say birthday. 
that's a great older. answer, and you should have gotten to it quicker. Birthdays gotta go. Once yeah. you get past twenty one, <laughs> felt easy. Once you get past twenty one, there's no point in them. Hell, I just found out today that on my birthday, my parents and my sister and my brother in law are gonna be out of town. Oh my god. Okay, cool. So I What's guess your we, birthday, August 29th. Oh, so you got a minute? Yeah, well, we got some time, but they're like, "Yo, yeah, we planned a two week vacation around that." I'm like, "Oh, cool. So I'll celebrate by myself." Birthdays gotta go. They suck. Once you, Tanner, you'll you'll understand this later on in your life. Once you pass 21, it really is downhill from there. I mean, you get to 20, what is it, 26, and the insurance goes down a little yeah, bit? Yeah, when the insurance drops 26 and then you get those benefits of being an adult, that's where it really kicks so in. So 25 sucks because, and I know that I'm going to get crushed on the text line for this, but whatever. Uh, you have to go on your, you have to get off your parents' insurance. Amen, at that brother. Point. I wish I could still be on it. That was not enjoyable. That that influx or that lack of cash that I used to have that is now going towards the uh, insurance. That's that's a real bummer, Tanner. You'll learn about that in about ten years, my man. Ten? Wait. How old do like you think 15 I am? Right now or something. Text yeah, line said I was ten. Right? You know, you had to have your grandma drop you off today for to work, didn't you? That's not true. I thought that was true. <laughs> 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for one's got to go. This one's an interesting one. One got to go. Needs, excuse me, knees, elbows, neck, or wrist. What the hell? Your knee, your elbow, your neck, or your wrist. One's got to go out. <laughs> I don't even know how to answer <laughs> Which one this? could you live without the most? I definitely got to have think, the wrist. I don't think you could. What, was, what does that mean, Tanner? <laughs> I'll let anybody interpret that one. It's 25 years old, by the way, for when your insurance goes down. I apologize. I said 26, 25. Your knees, your wrists, your neck, or your elbows. Elbows? Yep. Uh, Wrist, elbow, connected. I guess guess elbows, but I I don't know. I've got bony elbows. Well, what are the what is really the, bony what elbows? What are the point of elbows? You know, so as I get older, <laughs> or or the scientific the weenuses, correct? That is correct. As I get older, I've noticed. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. My elbow, I leave work every day, and it's like, God, it's just, it's painful, man. It's from me, like, Signs having of, it too hard. Signs of heart on, attack coming soon. Really? Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. You should look into it. Uh, just from, like, typing and stuff, it's the pressure that I put on my left elbow every day, guys. It's getting, it's you problematic. I'm going to see a doctor about this. If it this. wasn't problematic to lose your neck, I would take that because mine hurts a lot when I wake up in the morning. That's a good one. But I got to keep it because it's your neck. Tanner, what so. are you getting rid I'm of? I'm getting rid of my knees. My knees kill me all the time. So. <laughs> oh, my God. And we laugh. We laugh You're we not la- going to be able to run. That's like, fine. Walk, I don't run already. It's fine. Okay. This one says you can't feed yourself without your elbows. Well, you can. You just got to eat like a pig and just put your face into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going neck. There's a lot of guys that look like they don't have no neck anyways. I'll just go head straight extra? onto the shoulders. Yeah. I mean, I've got a long neck, but I could go without this bad boy. We could just get rid of it. You know, yeah. who needs neck? Probably bring even more attention to my nose, but we, that's no different. I think we all can agree, though, that the powerhouse goat on this list is the wrist. Gotta have the wrist. Gotta have the wrist for many reasons. Gotta have the wrist. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. One gotta go chicken nugget edition. <laughs> oh, this is baby. A, this says BK is the only one to get tennis elbow from radio. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. <laughs> it's, stop, so, stop sitting with your elbows, then. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I told Kara this the other day. I was like, I think I need to go to the doctor. She's like, I think you need to learn to sit differently. I don't know if I have, like, super pointy elbows. I don't know what's gone wrong, but it's a problem. 28 years old and going on 50. All right, Tanner's knees are killing him. All right, one got to go chicken nugget edition. McDonald's, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Burger King. One got to go chicken nugget edition. Okay, well, you can't get rid of Chick-fil-A nuggets. No. Because that's probably the only real chicken out of this list. Um, Wendy's, I can get those spicy chicken nuggets. Those are legit, so I'm not getting rid of those. 
Uh, so it really comes down to Burger King or McDonald's. And you can get spicy at McDonald's, too. I think I'm going to go McDonald's just because I can get the fries with them. Yeah. Hold on. You're keeping McDonald's? No, I'm keeping McDonald's. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I thought I'm you keeping were getting rid of the, no, the OG. Well, no, look. McDonald's and Burger King chicken nuggets are both disgusting in general. But if I'm going to keep one, I'll keep the McDonald's because I can get the fries with them. Burger King, there's no other perks to it other than you're just getting fake chicken nuggets. So Burger King's got to go. Easy. I'm, By I'm the way, careful, Burger King, careful. I am open for endorsements. <laughs> I will careful. always have it your way if you would like. I'm with you, though, Alex. I, I would get rid of the Burger King ones for sure. Yeah, that's the go-to. Be very careful with these, Alex. I no, I told them. I said, I will always have it your way for endorsements. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. BK's going to be the first one ever to get Tommy John from typing. <laughs> Maybe he'll come back hey, as a slightly better radio host. If you, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> you should look at, you should, that's a low bar. <laughs> you should look into Tommy John if that's the case. Hell, I might look into it as well, but. All right, final one here for One Gotta Go on a Friday edition of BK and Ferrario. One Gotta Go Blues Jersey Edition. I know Alex is going to take this one very seriously. The Blues retro jerseys, their winter classic jerseys, or the reverse retro. So retro, winter classic, reverse retro, One Gotta Go. Ooh, man, if you would have thrown the white home jer- or the white away jerseys into this this would have been the toughest conversation and i would have probably started a fight but because you put the retro and the reverse retro in this is easy for me reverse retro's got to go because the they're ones. yeah those are the those are the red ones because the reverse retro still takes me back to the 90s and thinking cujo but retro is obviously the way to go if you're looking at those. Like, all I can see is just Jamie Rivers with the soul patch and the number six <laughs> skating around on the ice. Superstar defense. That's Jamie right. Rivers. So the reverse retro, gotta go. Yeah, reverse retro's gotta go. Red is not the blues. It's in the name. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, easy, Grandpa. That is the worst argument ever. They're not the Reds, they're the Blues! Uh, Also, I agree with Tanner on that one. The reverse retro's gotta get all the way up out of here from the 309 transaction alert. Just got it from ESPN. BK is headed to the 60-day IL. He has Tommy John surgery. I didn't have the breaking news sounder ready for that. The breaking news sounder for that one. (laughs) Hopeful to be back for the 2022 MLB season. Man, I wish it was more than 60 days. It'd be fantastic no because to make sure you're 100 when you come back that's yeah. what i meant by that yeah. actually i need you shorter than 60 days because i'm going on vacation in june so you got to be back before oh that. don't you worry i got plenty of days off here coming me up. too <laughs> tanner you'll hold down the fort my man with oh, alex my. ferrario and tanner hendrix and i'm brandon kiley coming up next we'll cross things over with the fast land on 101 espn this is the bk and ferrario podcast now here's bk and ferrario Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. Hey, our team. 
teammate Chris Duncan would have turned 40 this month, earlier this week, actually. And in celebration of Dunk's birthday, we have brought back the Dunctionary T-shirt for a limited time. Now through Friday, May 21st, you've got about two weeks left. You can order this year's limited edition Dunctionary T-shirt proceeds from all sales. Go to support the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. Huge thanks to Carstar, your auto body repair experts, for support of this year's Dunctionary T-shirt campaign. Check it out right now over at 101ESPN.com. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. If you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check out the podcast page. It's all presented by I Promise. We had Brad Osmus, who was uh, Albert Poulos' manager in 2019 earlier today. We had Jim Bowden, who told a fantastic story about the first time that when he was the GM of the Reds, they came to town and he was trying to figure out who Albert Poulos was. And his scouts told him basically, hey, just don't don't pitch to this guy. You can find out why Tanner's knees hurt. You can also do that and why my elbow hurts. <laughs> All of that is on the podcast page. Right now, crossing things over with the boys, BT Anthony Stalter live out at Ballpark Village today. Guys, what's going on? Man, things are great out here at Ballpark Village. It is a nice day. Wind wind is a little strong. You'll hear that today yeah. throughout the show. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, BT, BT and I are going to have just a bang-up show. Now, how do I know that? I don't. But you I feel, feel it in your loins. Exactly. Yeah, I feel it in my heart. You guys my get that feeling too, huh? And my yeah. marbles. Yeah, no, I, I don't feel pretty that good. good. I get that feeling every time I walk in the studio. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a good show today. Man, see, that's the difference between you and I. BK can't feel anything <laughs> from the waist down. Well, I've heard he's dead inside. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> there, there is and some a, truth in and that. And apparently his elbows hurt from working in radio. Yeah, I don't know BT, how that I've, happens. I've got a question for you, man. So uh, you, uh, you once experienced you know, some elbow discomfort, right? Yeah, yeah, I had Tommy John. Because he's throwing 95 fastballs. Yeah. Or, you know, 88, 89, Sinkers. doesn't matter. Okay, right? well, there was a 95 in there once in a while. Sure, off so, the bat. <laughs> BT, we have this in common where our elbows start hurting. You know, yours was because you were, you were pitching in the big leagues, and mine is because I sit down while I do radio. He profusely types angrily. <laughs> yeah. Um, any advice for a guy, you know, a friend of mine who – um, when he leaves work every day, his left elbow just has this this sharp pain that's going through it. Yeah, I've got a few words of advice. Most of them yeah. can't be said on, on the radio <laughs> okay. to, to your friend. Uh, I, I would say this. Uh, instead of focusing on the typing aspect, because this seems to be your problem, or, or yeah. your friend, I'm sorry, your friend's problem. Thank he's you. leaning in, he's typing a little bit too much, because he's constantly working, and he's thinking ahead, and th- this friend of yours, I know him, and he does a really good job, and he's always very well prepared, but here's what I think that your friend should do. Your friend should turn to his other friend in the room and just speak with his hands and just talk and be animated and go crazy because then your arms are moving. And Anthony here is a big arm talker. And then I'm an arm talker too. And we're actually in fairly close quarters, so we might box today uh, on the fast lane. But uh, that I think that's... Yeah, that's what does it for you a little bit. Talk with the hands a little bit. Tell your buddy to quit leaning in, quit typing. And if you have to type stuff, maybe you could buy your buddy like that type-to-text software... On uh, on like a computer, if you need to do that after the show, because well, I see, know the, the problem. BT, that, so here's another issue: is like yeah. my buddy. I I know this because we're uh, we're very close. 
Uh, so he is about to buy a house and then have a wedding, so he doesn't have a whole lot of discretionary income at the moment. Okay, here's what I think that your buddy should do, because this is a problem that your buddy's uh, health care, uh, their, their carrier is going to have to deal with at some point if he continues oh. to have these issues, is you talk to your boss and you expense whatever it is that you need, because they don't want to deal with all these issues down the road with your buddy's bad elbow from typing, which is a sad <laughs> thing to say, but it's a, a true thing. It's a real thing that's happening to your friend. So I would try to expense it uh, from uh, your, your buddy's perspective. I think check it makes out, all the sense in the world. Check out Amazon. Maybe they make like donuts for your elbows or something like I, that. So my, I've never my heard friend. of something like this. <laughs> I just get Tommy John. Oh, okay. What are you, the text line? <laughs> I asked Jamie, so I asked Jamie, and he said, why don't he just get Tommy John? I don't understand. Well, it's it's a, a nice running joke that we get, which I appreciate now, and, and I believe it started with a text from, and, I, and I'll shout him out because he listens to the show a lot, from Cottleville Chris, all right? And I forget who this was in reference to. It might have been Bader. Could have been Michaelis. I, I don't I remember. I think it was Michaelis. But it was, uh, you know, he's down with the shoulder, year. and he's like, why didn't they just give him Tommy John? Well, it's like, it's his shoulder. <laughs> you don't just, but then it's it's been a fun running joke, and he's had some fun with it as well. And every time somebody is on the IL or gets banged up, it's like, did they give him Tommy John? <laughs> Not yet. I think it could time. be a foot injury. BK's headed to it for the next 90 days, boys. Yeah, I'll, I'll be out on IL for the next 60 days. So I'll see you guys in about three months. It'll be great. Makes sense. All right, good luck, man. Guys, what's coming up today on the Fast Lane? Matt Holiday's going to join us. Dan McLaughlin's going to join us. A lot of Cardinals talk. And this is going to be kind of an appreciation of Nolan Arenado Day here in the Fast Lane. Looking forward I'm to looking that. looking forward to that. That's coming up from 2 to 6. We'll be back on Monday at 11 right here on 101 ESPN. I mean, gosh darn. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast powered by I Promise.